Hello listeners, we are back and we're ready to make some more hobby magic. Good evening Ben. <laughs> Good evening mate, how are you? I am very well mate, as ever. We have loaded ourselves into the drop pod. Are we going to change to, like, you know, two peas in a repulsor tank? No. No? Okay. We are in the drop pod and tonight we have loads as ever to chat about. I just flip through my notes there. Um, ben, try and edit that out, that noise. Right, so tonight we will go on to the hobby desk. Um, more corn, would you believe, and more space wolves. We properly classic. Oh, we did play some Blood Bowl as well. Uh, into the Galaxy of War. Some kind of rubbishy codex about mutant grey space marines has been announced. So I'm sure Ben will have something to say, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, the, uh, the, the UK games expo saw a few things announced including the corridor and um the knights codex has arrived so we'll do one of our in-depth tactical reviews of the knight codex if you are <laughs> waiting for that i'm really sorry first time listening to this podcast yeah good listen to someone else i would yeah. um into the mortal realms so the soul wars are on the way fighting for the souls um so we want to talk about that and the huge range of stuff that's coming out from that chat a little bit about the, the sacrosanct chamber the night haunt um endless spells and and they've sorted out piling in and i'm gonna paint me some more blood letters it's all good <laughs> we'll go into the uh, into the community do some more shout outs run through the calendar uh, and finally into the wilds where ben has a uh fascinating and insightful interview with the guys from shades of chaos games um, I haven't actually heard it yet, so no pressure, Ben. It better be flipping awesome, mate. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? I think so. Grab some refreshments! Let's go on to the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome back to Hobby Desk number 25. Um, I've had a bit of a finishing off week, and Dan has done um, a few more corn, not surprisingly. I don't, I, don't, I haven't um, done a great been... deal, sadly, painting-wise, this week. But you've done something really exciting. You started painting Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And that's that's like a completely different thing. I think painting Lord of the Rings is... is it's a completely different way of painting, I think. Anyway, mm. um, so I'd really like to talk about that, and uh, and more importantly, the mightiest Blood Bowl team in the history of Blood Bowl took to the field for the first time, and the Jammy Dodgers managed to. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but but that rat ogre. <laughs> First turn, <laughs> off with your leg. First <laughs> thing you did was chainsaw the rat ogre. <laughs> Got to be done. Absolutely. Well, so, tell us about you have we, just before we started, we were writing down what Ben had painted, and in the end, I just came to the conclusion you painted an army in in yeah. like two weeks. <laughs> so, um, Ben, take it away. Tell us what you've done. Well, it, it's been a finishing off. Like I said, a finishing off fortnight for me. So, um, 
when we were recording the last podcast, I was one week into um, the second two five-man teams for the Dark Imperium box set, so the second squad of Intercessors um, and the squad of Hellblasters. And um, so the first week I finished those off. I was really chuffed with that. Um, tried a few things on those, like um, airbrushing the plasma glow, which I was really nervous about because at the moment my my airbrushing skills amount to laying down base coats and zenith highlights, and that's about it, and and cleaning the airbrush. So not going to be doing a how-to video on anything. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so that was the first time I'd really sort of done any, any de- I suppose detail is the wrong word. When you think about some of the stuff that people paint with an airbrush, I was just, you know, a thought just came into my head. Do you remember, oh, it must be 10 years ago. Um, the Slayer sword winner was a, was a land raider tank with all this stuff painted on the side, beautiful detailed, like what we all thought was freehand. And, it turned out to be done with an airbrush. Do you remember that? No. No. That's I'm but gonna have to dig that you up. You can find a picture of it. And put it on the on the show notes that never happen. <laughs> so, um as we just seem to have lost Dan for a second. No, I just didn't laugh because I don't think it's funny that we you don't get the show notes done. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, man, I can resist. Um so yeah, that was quite uh, quite nerve-wracking and learned actually quite a lot just doing those five plasma guns. So it just goes to show you just got to get on with it sometimes and have a go. I think they look ace, mate. They do look ace. And it's nice, like, I really feel, and I think this is true of all the stuff that you finished off recently, particularly when we get to talking about him, Logan, is you. it's really cool to see the progression from when we started recording and then each time we've talked about techniques and we talked about trying that and trying this. And you can see it through your models and I really like it. And it's funny that because I was always like, oh, no, I don't like to see progression. I, you know, army should look the same. But, um, and I'll talk about it for me in a bit, but I really like that we can see that with your stuff. I mean, Logan is just flipping and ridiculous. So... Yeah, it's good. I think for me, for a progression through an army is okay when it's when it's like your long running army. Mm. So for you, corn, and for me, space wolves, um, or it would have been my iron snakes, I suppose. But I think if you try and hold yourself back to what you were doing when you first started an, an army that that you know is going to be big, company sized or bigger, um you're kind of holding yourself back and you're not going to progress at all. Yeah. Um, whereas if you just go, you know what, this squad is going to be better than the last one. Uh, and this, these five squads are going to be better than the five before that. And it doesn't matter because, you know, they, they, they're kind of part of my hobby story. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so those, those both got done. Um, quite, quite not happy to see that the conversions came out. Okay. Cause there was some green stuff in work on those. Um, the fur and that, um, and when it was all painted up, you can't really tell. So I was quite happy about that because my green stuff and skills are are basic, but not phenomenal. Um, never really sat down and practiced them all that much. Fur is about as good as it gets for me. And um, then I finished off my reavers, which good heavens above, man, they've been they've been on the back burner for months, longer than my blood bowl team. 
Well, do you know what? It's one of our first Instagram posts. Is is the Reva Sergeant? <laughs> That's epic. Converted up, yeah. Yeah, they, again, though, they look great. And I, I like how you've been talking for a while about how to get the Primaris to fit into the sort of background. Um, yeah. And then with the markings and whatever. And I've seen that these guys are almost that story in themselves, aren't they? Yeah. So for me, the Reavers didn't fit Bloodclaw at all. You, you don't have, there's a tactical, awareness about a reaver they are very surgical they're very callous in the way that they that they fight and um they fitted to me more like a pack of scouts yeah and and so i've painted them with in the scout shoulder pads so no red and yellow um the black and black and gray of the scout shoulder pad so um and i also uh looked at because I try to sort of hark back to the second edition stuff as best as I can. So I was looking at old scouts and the second edition scout pack done by Neil Thomason, um, who's got second place in Golden Demon in insert appropriate year here, but right back when I first started collecting. I think I actually do remember those. Um, they have, they had black face paint and they had two tone kind of armor. So the underclothes were, were darker color and then the, the armor was space wolf gray, so I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So I've done the the deeper armor of the reavers in black, and the upper armor in uh, rust gray. Uh, the fang hi- the fang highlighted in rust, so a much darker blue to try and make them come across more tactical. Mm-hmm. And I, I th- I'm quite happy with how they turned out. They they do fit in with the army. I like I it rid- as well. Now they're finished. Like I remember, I wasn't too sure to start with. But no, you weren't. <laughs> I I actually think it does. It comes together very nicely in the finished model. Yeah. Well, I think it's because once you'd highlighted the black up, it wasn't quite so black. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds stupid, doesn't it? But um, it didn't get lost, and um, and I I quite enjoyed because I felt like they ought to have bloody bloody hands. I don't know why that was something that as I was painting them, I thought that would look cool, and then I made a story about it and. Um, I'm quite happy how that turned out because I quite like having stories um, around each each of my units. And for them, it was about how they were acutely aware when they joined the Space Wolves, having been part of like the larger fleet for 100-odd years. The Crusades were going on 100 years. And that's something that I really wanted to reflect in them, that Primaris are old. They're not young people. They're 100 years old if they've managed to get to the you know end, the, the point we're at now. If they're not new ones, they've survived a hundred years of campaign. That's yeah. significant. That's not. That's not to be. You know, you don't turn your nose up at a hundred years of fighting, whoever you are. Um, <laughs> but but there's a lot for them to learn when they come into a chapter. There's a lot of stuff that yeah, they're all Fenrisians, and that's made clear in the Dark Imperium book. The guy who's the Space Wolf is from Fenris. He's still got his Fenrisian tribal tats. Um, so does it? Not spe- does it talk about? Well, I suppose it will talk about that maybe in the. In, in the, the book, codex, yeah. but I'll be just wondering how that's happened. How have they ended up getting Fenrisians off Fenris? Just lifted them, I should think. Yeah. Or right back when they were started, just asked Russ, "Can we have a hundred, you know, a thousand Fenris?" <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, it's true. And um, or took or took Space Marines, you know, because they might have been Space Marines before they were made Primaris. In fact, it's very possible that they were. Um, anyway, we'll find out. But 
I wanted them to look so I've done a lot of them with gray hair and these guys uh, the, you know the concept of them coming into the chapter and thinking okay I am Fenrisian I recognize a lot of this but I'm not a space wolf and there's a lot of the chapter traditions that I just don't know mm. and I can almost imagine them wandering around the fang thinking holy emperor <laughs> this place is massive <laughs> um where where where's the toilet you know <laughs> yeah they, well they aren't going to know all the nooks and crannies are they and um and i kind of like the idea that they would think oh i am as far as these guys are concerned i'm still a blood claw i've got to prove myself so painted the bloody claw on their hands so that was where that came from i also put together my um Oh, yes. Dreadnoughts. And that came out, that was a proper hobby butterfly moment because I was sat in here talking to you and I thought, oh, I've got that Space Wolf kit. I reckon I could make a second Space Wolf Dreadnought out of that. Um, and then I got the Black Reach Dreadnought, which I had floating around and, um, and had a shot. And I think they've actually turned out really cool. I think that, that, uh, Black Reach one took some carving up though, dude. Well, yeah, it's quite I'd- static, isn't it? Well, I didn't. I didn't manage to change the position at all. But I wanted him to stand there, looking like a "come and have a go" kind of look. <laughs> um, but I had to carve off his leg plates and most of his sarcophagus, and you know all sorts. But he's worked out all right in the end. Um, and the Redemptor Dreadnought. Oh, my days! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, mate. The kit is so detailed. There's so many bits. So many bits, and uh, you compose everything like absolutely everything. It's phenomenal. I'm I'm in love with it. Absolutely in love with it. Interesting, because you were saying last time we spoke about how you think the space walls would react to the idea of the Redemptor because it burns out the pilots. Yeah, that was part. Oh, that was part of the conversation we had um, on the you know that led to me building it because it is interesting, isn't it? The sp- the space walls value dreadnoughts perhaps more than any chapter. Um, some of their dreadnoughts are literally 10,000 years old. They're the oldest ones going. Um, Bjorn has been in the kind of regeneration matrix of the Fang so long, he practically defends it in a kind of, in, um, I can't think of the right word, but in a sort of the other world, the Imperium. Yeah. You know, there's the stories of him fighting demons off as they're, so he is, he would never have got that old if he was a redemptor dreadnought pilot because, the book clearly says that there is rumours that it burns out the pilots, and there are more than just rumours. Um, so it's an interesting thought that um, how, how the space wolves would react to that, because for them, their, their dreadnoughts are their kind of link back to the earlier days of their chapter. And I, I should imagine this the same for every chapter, to be honest, um, but maybe not quite so keen, because they haven't got some that are as old. Um, I suppose it's just another mark of just how bad stuff has got since this massive warp rift opened across the middle of the Imperium. Well, yeah, that's that is another that's a fair point because at the end of the day, you know that the Redemptor Dreadnought can rest his beer on top of Beyond the Fell-handed. It is absolutely massive, um, <laughs> and you, you know, are you going to not choose to take that into battle because you know, you have some reservations about the longevity of the pipe, possibly, you know, th- yes, that's true, but, you know, needs must, and perhaps, perhaps they would be taking a Dreadnought pilot and shoving it in a Redemptor for a campaign in the hope that, you know, that he'll pilot that suit and then they can remove him out and put him in another sarcophagus. Yeah. Um, who knows? You know, in my head, I'll probably come up with a way I could explain it happening. Um, and then 
Logan Grimner, who I am super, super proud of, um, was a hard, hard model to paint because I, Captain Subassembly was laughing at me the whole time. <laughs> he just has so many things getting in the way. You know, his pipes and his hanging wolf pelt and the cloak and it was so hard to get around, but, um, I'm really happy with how he turned out. Good. I'm glad you are because he does look excellent. I love yeah. his axe. I really like his axe. Different shades and stuff in there. Uh, I, I kind of went for a bit of a box art copy uh, for him because I think there's some things that just are, and and the and the, he is he is just Logan Grimm now, you know. And I, I don't imagine him being many different colours. So um, I went for the I went for the box art. So the the axe is probably the most time I will ever spend on a demonic weapon. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Um, or ex-demonic weapon. So that, yeah, there he is. And, um, really happy with how the magnetization worked out, actually, because that's as much as I've made jokes about why I haven't painted him, but it was waiting for, I could have just gone out and bought them, but I'm hopeless. Um, it was waiting for the magnets to magnetize him to put him on his base. There's the reason why I hadn't done him. Um, the number of I times don't know I what he postage was... service you used, mate, but you finished the chariot when we started the podcast. So if it's taken that long for those magnets to come, either use someone else. If I, if I told you that actually it wasn't even me who bought the magnets, it was Joe, that would be even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> so I just couldn't, didn't get around to doing it. Um, but yeah, no, he's done. So it's been a busy week. Um, busy two weeks. Um, now I'm, next thing for me is I'm starting the, uh, the Dark Imperium characters, so the two le- lieutenants um, and the Gravis Armour captains. I've done a bit of conversion work on those. Yes. So they look they look more space wolfy and um, very excited about doing them. What are you going to do with the ancient? Oh, he's yeah, he's getting done. I've done not a great deal with him, so I've just I've added a um, a wolf plume to his helmet and a wolf tail to his. Uh, Belt, and that's about it. Oh, and I've given him a a space or shoulder pad, so nothing super complicated. And when will should... you, when will you be getting onto some tanks? Because you've been up here, haven't you, since we last recorded? And that's uh, very true. Tom yeah. the tank um, was uh, eagerly showing you some airbrushy stuff. So I will probably yes, not not long. I shouldn't think because I want to get um, the vindicator, um, the repulsor, the three dreadnoughts, at least two rhinos. A Razorback and a Land Raider done. <laughs> For the army, that's kind of bare minimum. Oh, and the storm thing. The fly, you know, face punch. The fly face punch. Excellent. Yeah, what's it called? Storm Fang? Oh, you, you, the Frost Fang thing. Oh, this is amazing, isn't it? it, it it's, at least we're consistent. It's terrible. <laughs> Well, I'm going to claim at least it's your army that we can't remember the name. Somebody's shouting it at us, aren't they? I'm sure it's the Stormfang. Keep talking, Ben. I'll look up on the internet. What um, yeah, called. so th- I'd like to get those done. Stormfang. Um, it is the Stormfang. You were correct. Just lack of confidence in myself. My goodness. Um, well, I don't blame you. Yeah, so I'd like to get those done. Um, I don't think they'll take too long once I've got the airbrush up and going, because I don't I don't really see the value of this is going to sound terrible, but I don't really see the value in freehand and all that on tanks. For me, it's about they're a functional military thing 
and you can paint whatever you want on them, they're going to get ruined. Yeah. Um, and and they're going to get covered in mud, and they're going to get battered. And I like to reflect that on the tanks, so uh, that's what I'll be doing. Um, and I'll be taking some, um, using the chipping fluids, and actually taking a lot of cues from a chap called Real Broken Fingers, who we're going to talk about later. So um, that's my plan for those. So I've managed to rant on for twenty minutes. So um, it's over to you, mate. Hmm. So, what have I been doing? So, um, the Skull Reapers that I was working on last time are almost done now. So, the bases are built and I've put a couple of colours on the bases. Um, I went back actually after doing them because I, I'm really quite chuffed with them. Uh, talking, going back and talking about what we said about progression. If I look at the Blood Reavers that I painted when Age of Sigma first came out and I compare them to these Skull Reapers, you can see a progression in in brush control if nothing else which is really nice yeah um and I, i'm quite proud of those guys and and i actually went back and added a highlight to the gold on my um blood secretor which is the guy with the the compensation issues going on <laughs> with the massive corn symbol so i added some what did you use that. what for to the highlight storm host silver oh yeah so i mean did did that change the whole look of the model because i find when you when you highlight gold with silver, it makes it a lot look a lot shinier. Yeah, it looks a lot brighter. Um, yeah, I quite like it uh, to be honest, and I think it will be helpful because I'm going to put the blood and stuff on him. Um, and I also started painting the mighty Lord of Corn because I was waiting for a few washes to dry, so I started just getting the base coats down on him. Because um, to be Which honest, one's he? he's not. He, He's the hero, the big daddy hero from the current Age of Sigmar box set. Oh, right. The one, yeah, okay, yeah. It's about living time you did him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> With the reality splitting axe that he has. So we started Corgus on him. Corgus Cole? Corgus Cole, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah, check it out. What You've got him on, on your wall. You, what is going on? You've got, you must have the internet open or something because no no <laughs> uh, you've so... got a picture of him on your wall so he's probably been giving you the eye yeah so I have to you need you need to paint me yeah paint <laughs> me fool so him um and i as you said i have started on almost finished painting um some more door orcs for uh, lord of the rings battle companies so i think they're fab they i've Really enjoyed doing them. I'm really pleased with how they're coming out, putting a little bit more time in. Um, nice thing about Lord of the Rings, which is a bit smaller, so things like base coats just don't physically take as long. Um, interesting, you can definitely see that as a plastic kit, it's quite an old plastic kit. So there's there's can be segments that are just sort of filled in solid with plastic, where maybe on a newer plastic kit... There'd be like a cutaway or or something a bit different, but then they are sort of what one or two two part models. There's a couple of one part yeah, models yeah. in there, two part. Paint the metal guy that was cool, um, but it's only nine guys. So the battle company's warbands nine guys. Uh, put all the base coats on. Got an Agrax Earthshade wash on, and I've started bringing them, highlighting back up. But rather than doing the base colour 
then a wash and then the first layer and then an edge of the second layer. I've gone with the base, then a wash and then the base again because I want the main colours to be a lot darker or duller. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pleased with them. They're not far off. I'm going to go quite green with the bases. I'm going to, I've got some really big tufts and I want to try and put some reeds on maybe and, um, possibly the odd bit of clump foliage, some of the little flowers. So because I think, I don't know, I just feel it works with Lord of the Rings to a lot of the battlefields I remember seeing when I was growing up for Lord of the Rings were quite lush affairs. Yeah, I mean, unless you're um, in Mordor. And they actually had more akin to a model railway setting where it, it had that yeah. more real look to it. And I like that about Lord of the Rings. So that's what I want to try and replicate. Um, the three, because in battle companies, you only have nine guys for Mordor. Three of them, one of them you pick as your lieutenant, your like leader guy, and then two sergeants. Yep. So in true Dan Jolly Basing style, those three guys are stood on a rock, which they carry around with them uh, <laughs> throughout the game, just to give them a bit more height and a bit more presence. I've done one with a double-handed weapon. One is like the orc with hand weapon and shield. That's the, the classic metal model. And I've done one with a bow just because that time when I get to shoot someone, it's like hero or something. And then I roll a five to wound them. And they're like, phew, I didn't die. And I'm like, point of might. Bing! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Arrow through the eye. So, yeah, I've enjoyed that. But I have decided, well, I say decided, it won't come to anything more than likely. But I just, I need to do an army, Ben, without so much faff on it for painting. Like, oh. When I was younger, I never wanted to do chaos. And I remember why. It wasn't because I didn't have the darkness in my soul. It's because <laughs> I didn't want to paint all the flipping banding that's all over the place. I was yeah. thinking about this when you were painting your rhino. I was like, flipping heck. I can't do that because I've got to go in and I've got to pick out all the banding and all the spikes and all the skulls. Well, in fairness, you stick the banding on yours. Yeah, but so you, you have to because can... otherwise it doesn't look quite right, does it? Well, maybe not. But, but, you know, it's your choice. If you want to be a heretic, you've got to pay the price. <laughs> it is nice. Imperial Knights wouldn't be so bad. No. They, I, they, I can't, they, uh, or Space Marines, really. Well, it depends on the Space Marines, because... There's only one yeah. Space Marine chapter, Ben. Is there? Yeah. Well, the, the Mary Sue's. The Ultramarines. Yeah. Only one. I've, I've been toying with the idea of doing a few squads of Ultramarines to go with Gilliman, who I'm now feeling like I could tackle. Well, I'm not doing Ultramarines if you're doing Ultramarines, because I don't need that kind of pressure. Well, no, I'd only do like a, t a couple of squads to go with him, because I feel like him turning up and fighting with the Space Wolves without some Ultramarines just seems a bit odd. <laughs> I don't know. It happens quite a lot. <laughs> On the tournament scene? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> so um, I I think that your Mordor Orcs look fab, and they remind me of how you did them. I can't remember whether you did Mordor Orcs or Moranon Orcs for the, bit of for both, the War I think. of the Ring. Because I've made out, frankly, a bit unfairly, that nobody did anything other than me. Um, whereas it, you did paint a fair few squads, and then half half hot-footed off to 
Sweden or wherever it is you went. Well, that's right. Um, but when you did them, it was as much of a case as putting down the base coats and then washing them and leaving them. Because we were all very excited back then about the, about the washes. Ben, we were so excited about the War of the Ring. So Yeah, and, and the washes, particularly. And the washes. Yeah. But it, when we were... I don't know if you can still do this, but when we used to work for Games Workshop, you could pay out of your wages. And one month, I had got so carried away that I thought there was a problem with my wages. Because I got paid <laughs> twelve pounds and three pence. <laughs> you pivot. That is ridiculous, isn't it? That is ridiculous. Well. That is a sign of being a kid, or not a kid, but a young adult with absolutely zero sort of sense or responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That was a lot of Mordor Orcs, man. A lot. Yeah, and where are they all now? Well, I don't own any of them anymore. <laughs> Mate, I don't want to talk about it. I've spoken on the <laughs> podcast about how it's important to have a clear out and how it's important to like tone down on your projects and bit bit it's all rubbish. Don't listen to me. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I could weep. I weep for the fallen Lord of the Rings models that I no longer have. No, mm. I'm looking through the back catalogues at the little sets and I'm like, oh, I don't really feel that way about 40k and um, fantasy collections as much. But for Lord of the Rings, because so many of those miniatures, they're n- not available they're and there aren't newer versions of them necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I mean, the Space key, Marines have it? evolved. And I know yeah. you like to have that evolution and, I, and don't get me wrong, it looks cool. But personally it doesn't bother me one bit that i don't have the you know uh 40k version two space marines um second edition space marines because the current ones are so much better looking Uh, but that's not the case with lord of the rings you know the original fellowship was a set representing the fellowship in a certain way and it won't ever be done again so yeah and they're gone well, no, actually, I did manage to get a set of them, so it's okay. Did you? Yeah. The fact that I've now bought them essentially three times, we won't talk about. I thought you already had the, the original Fellowship. Or did you go out and get some? Oh, I did, once. And then I got rid of them. And then I got them again. Yeah. And then they went. And now I've got them again. So... Yes. Sorry, I've just been handed some refreshments by my lovely wife. Excellent. A gorgeous latte. Yum, yum, yum. Um, you can't... Oh, you, uh, yeah. Your wife's called Joe, not latte. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of progression th- th- and cu- having those models that I had when I started. And I'm actually really gutted that I don't have some of the Space Wolf models that I had when I was a kid. I don't know where they've gone. Um, so on that note, I have actually gone out and bought the Wolfguard Terminators for steel on the internet. Um, the original metal ones, because that was the first metal kit that I've got. Um, other than the Iron, Iron Priest. So I've, I've still got the Iron Priest, who's the first metal 40k model that I bought. Yes. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and do 
I don't know if I'm going to do that next. The only reason, the only thing that's holding me back is the Age of Sigmar box set release, frankly. But after these characters, I'm really seriously considering recreating the second edition Space Wolves from the army in the in a Codex battle report. Yeah, you said about that. I think that's ace, mate. Yeah, I, I, I've got a feeling that I just need to do it. I just need to get, I just need to get my Space Wolf collection where I want it to be before I can move on with anything else. Oh, mate, I need to do, I need to do this army. Oh goodness. Which army? Sorry, mate. I just, I just noticed a picture of um, chap called Luke Preston down in Cornwall, who paints some awesome looking stuff. Does a corn army, so you know wins there. But he's painting um, the oh, Hallowed Knights Stormcast, which are very similar to my color scheme, but with the gold on and a bit brighter. And I flipping love them. I love them. <laughs> Right, so half an hour in. Who um... shall do the longest hobby desk ever? (laughs) Only (laughs) the faithful! (laughs) We could talk about our plans and how they're not going to happen for um, forever. Sigma (laughs) curse you, sir! Don't say such things. Yeah, it will never happen. Let's move on. So um, let's head over to uh, 40k. To the galaxy of war the and see what awaits us there. Of war. Wow. Who needs audiobooks when we've got you, Dan? Oh, yeah. Welcome, listeners, to the galaxy of war. We hope you're refreshed because there's some awesome stuff to talk about in here. Um, but we're going to start at the bottom end with the announcement of the Space Wolf Codex, aren't we, Ben? Such a tool. Yeah, every time, every episode. <laughs> I ought to stop, really. I was thinking earlier, like, what, what mockery am I going to do for Space Wolves in this episode? And I thought, I wonder if people are getting bored. So, you know, well, unfortunately, comment below. I don't think they comment are, below. Be honest, but yeah, so Space Horse Codex, what can I say? If they can put up with listening to you, they can put up with me talking about Space Wolves in a trash way. That hurts, man. I'm sorry. You know I love you, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Space Wolf Codex. Uh, we, we don't know anything, do we? I mean, that's, that's the no, thing. No, there's a codex so, and it's called Space Wolves. And it's next. So, I mean, it could be next week for all we know. Well, yeah. but it's probably going to be two what weeks' would time. What would you like it? it to be about? Well, obviously, it's about. Heck, you know what I mean. I do. So, I would like to see um, a lot of background on where the space wolves and the primaries are, how they're integrating. I'd love to see company-specific rules. That would be really wicked because I'd be shocked if you didn't. Yeah, I don't know if the Just Dark Angels or the Blood Angels be... did. Oh, I can't. Oh yeah, uh, but the space wolf code, the space space wolf chapter. Goodness me, the space wolf companies are all very very different. So you have like yeah, I mean the the dark angels would have had um, Deathwing and Ravenwing as different. Yeah, they? they did. Yeah, but and the Death Company. So, but there's yeah. So I'd like to see that because um, there is. There is very different companies in the Space Wars. Uh, there's like 
um, the scoutier companies, there's the uh, you know, heavier armoured companies, there's the drop assault company of Ragnar Blackmane, there's um, the heavy use of Thunder Cavalry for um, Death Wolf, Harold Death Wolf, um, there's the Wolf and Strong company of, of Red Moor, so there's loads of, you know, there's loads of different, and there's a there's loads of big differences between them, so I'd like to see that. Um, what else would I like to see? I'd like to see some of the other Space Marine models becoming available to the Space Wolves. Yeah, particularly um, the ones you already own three or four of. Yeah, the Storm helped me. Talon? Mm-hmm. I love the model, and I have a few, and I didn't want to paint them up for my Iron Snakes until I could happily shove them in to my Space Wolves, or knew that, or I could or couldn't. Um, with the last edition, I was going to take them as a counts as Space Wolves, but isn't Space Wolves thing. Yeah. As a like an add-on to that, but the problem is now they use keywords, so it's different. But yeah, I, but you could still have a flyer detachment, I think, with them in. You could, but they wouldn't be Space Wolf. They wouldn't have the Space Wolf keyword. Um, no. But I'd love to see that. That would be wicked. I Model-wise, I don't even know where to start. I would adore there to be a new Ragnar Blackmane model. That would that would be amazing. But I can't see it happening. Um, and I think now that it's just come out as a this is the next Codex thing, I think all of the feelings that there might have been a Rust model, I don't think it's going to come with the Codex if there is. Um, I think that might come later on. I think the thing with Russ is, if you imagine that they do the codex to engage Space Wolf players or, you know, get people who are maybe on the fence and kind of thinking, oh, I'll do Space Wolves, that engages them. It's such, it's a really big deal, isn't it, codex? I think Russ, or any Primarch for that matter, um, can stand alone in doing that. So if you're going to bring out a Space Wolf codex to excite people, you're better off waiting and then doing Russ a year later because that will re-excite people in the same manner as a Codex. Yeah. Um, And I think with the Codexes coming to the point where we're going to have all the Codexes for the current stuff pretty soon, um, which is more likely to see. Interestingly, White Dwarf this month has got um, a big piece about uh, Armageddon, the history of Armageddon. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I, mate, if they do, I mean, what that would be a wonderful way if they were going to do Angron, for example, um, to do sort of a return to Armageddon, because there's a bit in there about, you know, the orcs and the Imperium are still fighting, but the skies are starting to darken and demonness is going down. Yeah. So I would, oh, mate, I, when they did Codex Armageddon back in third edition, um, and and did that. That was yeah, but that was that was, that was a pamphlet. Yeah, but it was awesome. Was it like five pages long? I've got it here actually. Here, here it is. It's got salamanders in there. I picked it up because it had the black templars. It's uh, yeah, it's yeah. thirty pages long. You get pamphlets yeah. in a box set that are bigger than that. Yeah, but back then, mate. Oh, it was so good. I remember they did this awesome series of battles 
Do you remember in White Dwarf when you had the central yeah. table yes. and it was being bombarded by basilisks from another table somewhere else where the orcs were trying to overrun them and they were like measuring it from that table because the basilisk could fire like 240 inches or something. Yeah, I do remember that. And they had like another table where the Black Templars were fighting for a space hole. Oh, mate, it was so good. So, yeah, that would be cool. I love this generation. How did this happen? How did what happen? Sorry. Oh, that's right. We got onto that. I yes. remember now. I see. Yeah. Well, I think it would be quite cool to see um, that come back. So, um, I've got Craftwood Elder as well. The bluey coloured one. No, the black one. That's even thinner. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically like a piece of card. That's, that's most. Oh, the Craftwood Elder. Yes. That's mostly cover. How many pages is that? This is how far we've come. We've gone into counting pages in books, dude. Look, they were so embarrassed about how small this one is. It hasn't even got page numbers. I love I see. it. So yes, I, I I think that I think that there's some good hints as to where what what chaos ones we're going to see next. Angron has been hinted about a lot, and Fulgrim has been hinted about a lot. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see those, but I think we're still I. We're off the topic of the Space Wolves, but I, I don't think we're going to see Russ for the Space Wolf Codex. And and I'm not sure that I want to, to be honest. I think they've got a lot of work to do to to address what happened after the Battle of Fenris, because mm-hmm. it's quite significant. They've lost a number of company strengths of, of Marines, both defending Fenris and then in the, the fracture in Acadia. So there is a lot a lot to talk about. So I'm, I'm interested to catch up with where they are. So background is going to be the big one for me in that book, and I'd love to see some of the other units make their way into the Space Wolf Army, um, namely the Flyers. Uh, that would be really mm. wicked. Um, other than that, rules-wise, I'd like to see the Thunderwolves become a bit more of a useful unit again. Um, I, I mean, they're still pretty competitive, but they're nothing like as useful as they were before. Um, although Andy Burridge is now sat there swearing at me because it took him six turns of shooting to kill them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I was rolling quite well for my storm shields. Um, yeah, I think it'd be good if they got you know like how they've got all these um, third party guys through licensing doing different things like yeah leggings and t shirts. They should do a range of uh. Fake fur wolf pelts in different colours. That would be cool. Um, and styles for you, you know, the discerning space wolf fashionista to uh, choose to wear. <laughs> I yes, or you could go for the um, the IKEA rug, which the uh, Game of Thrones guys use for their wolf pelts. Oh yeah, <laughs> do they really? Yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. The IKEA sheepskin rug they use as their wolf pelts. So. so shout out to IKEA. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So I'm quite excited about it. Um I and that's what I'd like to see. Good. Um um you know, I'm I'm excited on your behalf for all of the joking. And um, you know, I I'll let this be recorded. I uh I used to collect Space Wolves once upon a time, you know, back in third edition. Sprayed them Space Wolf Grey. Flipping heck, they were bright. But anyway, it's <laughs> um, a bright colour. <laughs> it is. I know you you love them, and they are very cool and very characterful. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it coming out. Um, 
I just don't think I could face another... Uh, this is going to sound really salty, and I apologise, but I I really cannot... I don't want it to be another disappointment like the Horus Heresy. Because I was yeah. I was utterly gutted about the Horus Heresy release. Um, until they released the Grey Slayers, I, I nearly swapped my army. And that that's just a massive thing for me. You know, to go, oh, I'm going to just suck in doing the Space Wolf army. I'm going to go to Ultramarines. Um... That I was, I was that close to it, and um, so I just don't. I don't want it to be like that. I don't want it to come out and me be like, oh, for goodness sake! But then I know what I'm like. <laughs> that, you know, for me, the spatials have been there right since I started. Like I said, the codex, the first codex came out the year I started collecting, so they're always going to be there. Um, yeah. So um, the orcs are the other one as well, aren't they, dude? Yes, there are, and I got a bit confused because. There's that picture in the background of the space of the um, white dwarf, of the orc machine. But I've been told it's a conversion, and I'm gutted about that because I I had visions of a whole orc release of stompy new stompiness with some wood. I don't think you're the only one. I saw an article pop up from Spiky Bits today that said, um, "Large orc machine, white dwarf comes out, mystery solved." So I think there was obviously something going, you know. Some thoughts. In fact, I sent you the picture, didn't I? I think saying, oh, I you, what you showed this it to me when I was up. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's um a very nicely converted uh grey knight, dread knight yeah. thing, um that Dan Harden's done for a rather awesome battle report, re um reimagining of Glazier's Creek. What amazing! Yeah, someone posted that on our forum, really cool. didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, cool. I can't wait. Mine's still with my parents because. I haven't got the delivery address changed because, um, well, for some reason I play the original White Dwarf subscription. They've never updated it. So if the people who are in charge of the money for this are listening, they just ignore everything I'm about to say. But they still charge me what it cost about 10 years ago. And I'm worried if I phone them up and get it changed, they're going to put the price up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's why. Okay, so, yeah, so the Orcs are on the way. Be interesting to see what we see for the Orcs. See what we get for the orcs. Um, I don't really know loads about orcs, man. I'm afraid to say. Uh, I haven't played them a great deal. I know Chris Manley used to do some awesome shizzle he with did, orcs. Yeah, um, really good stuff. Um, They're quite competitive from the index. Are they? So um, yeah, yeah, they've they've come really quite high up in a couple of the tournaments. Um, so the big the big tournaments as well. So I'd be interested to see what what extra the codex brings to them. I think what you'll end up with is much the same as you've had for everyone else, which is tribe specific orcs. Yes. Um with with tribe specific rules, which would be cool. Um I'd love to see the return of some cool cooler, older stuff like um the Blood Axe commandos and things. But that's me just being old and hairy. Yeah. <laughs> Because I they, love they the did do. They did rebring back quite a few old things. Um, where they when they did like the um, the shock attack gun came back, um, and I, I'm pretty. There are like sneaky orcs, aren't there? Like commando orcs in the current codex. Um, yes. Well, I, I think rock. they got. I think they got rid of a lot of that for for very obvious reasons. There's the storm boys. It was all a, bit, a little bit Nazi Germany mm. in the in the design cues, um, so I think that there was a sensible reason why they 
ditched them. Um, but I would still like to see them make a kind of modern day reoccurrence, you know, reimagined as some sneakier, more human thinking orcs, like the Blood Axe Commanders. They were using human tactics. That was how they were described. Have you um, seen the ones just... that do the rounds on the internet quite often, which are each holding a piece of a rhino? Yeah, that's and they, just they, they all get together. I love that. Yeah, that's superb. Yeah, that's superb and very well executed as well. Yeah, um, you'd need a bandsaw to pull that off properly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like. So that. yeah, they're they're two codexes that I think a lot of people have been waiting a long time for. So. I, I, I can't think of any more after that, though, dude. I don't know. There is. There's a Gene Steeler Cults. Yeah, Gene Steeler Cults. So that, ah, oh, yeah, we have to talk about the, you know, the most powerful weapon in the history of Warhammer 40k that you know, puts everything to shame, including vortex grenades, which is a stop sign. Yeah, Gene Steeler Cults. stop by, sign. So that's, that's going to be awesome. I think that's going to be a new box set for a, they the aberrants? Oh yeah, yeah. Because they've got the other two, haven't they? The more humanoid ones and the oh, slightly yeah. less. So th- th- I think having that would be really wicked because a lot of people have to get the the monopose ones from the Death Watch box set, whatever that was called, uh, Overkill. Yep. And um, that means eBaying them separately off the sprue, frankly. Um, but yeah, that would be nice as a box set. That would be very cool. Um, so, well, there's, there's quite a lot to go through. So, Cordor, dude, you're, um, you love your Necromunda. So I do, and I... You excited? I, I, I am, actually, and this goes back to what I've said right at the start, that I love everything they're doing with the gangs, and so, I never was a Cordor fan, my brother was big into Cordor, in fact, that's, I've, I've got his metal gang here, because he, he's just given me all of his stuff, which is a real shame, um... One day I'll get him back into the hobby. So I'm kind of keeping those things just safe for him for a while. Apart from your Black Reach Dreadnought, dude, that ended up being a venerable Dreadnought, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, the, the, I, a lot of people don't like the way they look. It's, it's another one of those things where there's a, there's a significant minority, I think, who really don't like them. And um, it's one of the few posts that we've put up where people have been quite openly, I really don't like them. And, um, that's fine. And every, everyone's tastes are different, but I think there is reasons for it. And is they are, look, they do look a lot more ragtag is the right word, I suppose. Um, and that got me thinking, well, the, the moment I saw the picture in Warhammer Fest or perhaps earlier, I thought people are, there's going to be people who don't like these more than the others. Um, but the more I've thought about it, the more it makes complete sense to me. So one of the things that I, they've done with Necromunda is fleshed everything out. So the Escher aren't just, you know, a, a, a house. They are now a, been given a role. What do they produce? How do they survive as a house? How do they make their money? How do they interact with the other gangs? So you can't just have a house whose sole job is to be religious nut jobs. You know, you have to have something more to it. And, and that for them is that they are scavengers and often, and with a with a gang, I can I can see the the corridor gathering together all of the kind of, you know, the desperate people and going, you know, believe in the emperor and we'll give you strength, as a house, and that's they really look like that to me. They look like those, you know, those crusade, the peasant crusade, 
from from the early mid middle ages that rampaged right the way across Europe, um, and then didn't do very well because they didn't wait for the actual soldiers to catch up. They just went into the Holy Land and got stuffed. Um, so they feel a lot like that to me, and I really like them. More importantly, I really man, like they have a crossbow grenade. Yeah, which I flip they do. In love. They, f- <laughs> um, they feel like you know people given hope through you know that that religion. Uh, they're really grimdark, and I love it. They're um, um, they're also multi part plastic ones, aren't they? With a bit more poseable and a bit more choice and stuff, I think, than the previous gangs. Well, yeah, well, we'll see. Um, the other ones, there is a lot of choice, but the, the poses can be a little bit, particularly with the Goliath, they can be a little bit hard to vary because of the way the arms fit on. Mm. So that's them. Anything else to say on those, dude? Uh. No, I don't think so. I'm really. No. I j- I wonder if um they're going to make the redemptionists like a subsect of Cordor now. Well, that's so make... in uh on the oh, Warhammer TV they did an interview um on there with Andy Hoare and they uh he was talking about the Cordor and how um in the the Cordor are like. Everything's already gone to pot. You know, we know that. Souls are forfeit. There is no redemption. It's all a bit rubbish. And the redemptionists are the ones that the Cordor have kicked out for being over the top and zealous and all about redemption. Right, yeah. So he talks about that on there. So um, for a more in-depth note on that, just go and watch... Uh, Warhammer TV because I just cobbled <laughs> it together. Um, well, th- this is what I mean about how they're, they're fleshing out Necromunda a lot. So they're, they're they're creating a kind of social structure to the hive, um, like the fact that the Escher or the Chem create. I've gone to Escher Chem, but the Escher create the chemicals, and actually you can see the chemical vials on on the Goliath, and you know where they've got them from, the Escher. So there's a kind of interhouse dependency going on that I think is really cool. Yep, yeah, it is very cool. Um, so lastly, and by no means least, the Knight Codex arrived today, which is pretty awesome. Um, oh, yeah. So you've, you've got it, copy. My, you? uh, my refreshments have just turned up in a gouged eye mug as well. Ooh, walks. Thank you. Say hello. <laughs> That's Harriet, everybody. Famous now. Well, that is but good. She's already famous because she brought in the Caterpillar of Awesome. Right? Oh, yeah, the Caterpillar. I've requested a red one. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. <laughs> Instead of your brass scorpion. You never... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a fluffy Caterpillar of Cornate Doom. Have like oh, a pincer days. attack. Um, if I ca- if I roll to hit, and if I hit, that's it. You're pinned for the rest of the game. <laughs> in this, anyway, right? The knights, the knights. So, knight codex has arrived. Um, I've had a look. It's flipping awesome. Um, you can also get a rather cool stainless steel combat gauge, which has got a six inch and a three inch and a half inch, and maybe a two inch. So a, a variety of inch measurements. Um, I bought one today, dude, because it's got a Mechanicum symbol on. And so 
I think it would be cool for Titanicus. Um, oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and I quite like the fact it's got a six-inch on. I didn't realise that. Yeah, that's it's quite, huge, that's, mate. It's huge. That's quite a cool for idea. Seven quid, stainless steel. Yes, I love it. So that's very good. Um, so the ninth. So interestingly, uh, as as I did with the Harlequins, I did you know our our heavy thinking review into the Harlequins. Uh, I had a look through the Night Codex. So one thing I was listening, again, I think I was listening to Warhammer TV about this, actually. Um, or was I reading it in White Dwarf? I can't remember. But I got this knowledge from somewhere. Uh, I think White Dwarf. And um, the Knights, the chassis were built as like heavy lifting equipment for the original settlers. And then when they realised the galaxy was pretty bad, they started slapping armour on. So I didn't know that. Mm. Um, as opposed to being like purpose-built weapons platforms. Um, obviously that's evolved with time, but I thought that was quite interesting. Um, I had a look through the little bit of background. So my favorite. That must be ancient. So, I mean, yeah. you're talking like the dark age of humanity. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, the night houses were like all cut off during the, the night, the planets were cut off during like the age of darkness and things. And then yeah. refound as night houses, as night planets, cool. like, and like they came across like worlds which would be all like feudal domains and then ruled over by the knights. Yeah. Um, which yeah. Cool. That, that Dark Angel comic, um, that's got them in and they're little subs. They go, oh, they go there to request the help. What's that comic called? Uh, Will of Iron, that lot. There's a there's a, a a night planet in that. They're quite cool, actually. Who's that by that comic? Is that a current one or is that one that was around? That that's that's out. Um, Will of Iron, yeah, it is. And who's that by? That's by Titan Comics. Cool. That's very apt. Yeah, I've just bought the just bought the first one on Google. It's quite good. Oh, sweet. Cool. So, um, well, we'll get a link to that. So I went through the background. My favourite piece that I found so far was um, the Demon Tide. So it's a battle that five nighthouses took part in. And I'm reading yeah. through it and, it. and basically what they do is they funnel the demons into this valley. And then it says 600 Questorus-class knights charge down the valley into the demons. 600. That's amazing. <laughs> that is ridiculous, isn't it? So that's yeah, that's a lot of demons, and um, it, the demon incursion is being led by a great unclean one, um, who essentially, I I think what happens is two of the, uh, the new mega knight things, um, Castellan knights, basically shoot it with their harpoons and pin it, and then a load of the littler knights come in and like cut it up with their chainswords. Um, but then That's it disgusting. curses them, and actually later in the in the storyline, it comes back with a load of dudes in like thousands of years' time, uh, and lays the smack down on House Terran. But there we go; these these things happen. Um, <laughs> so much the same as all the other codexes, we've got household traditions. So each of the night houses now has some rules which give it a bit of a unique feel. So House Cadmus, which my knight is painted up in, um, I think re-rolls ones in the fight phase to 
wound, possibly. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I like, I like those little, little bits and pieces and some good, um, relics as well in there. Um, I picked out Endless Fury. So Endless Fury is a Gatling cannon, right? But it's a special Gatling cannon because it makes its ammunition as it's firing. So it says there's like little micro fabricator machines that make the ammunition at like a stupid rate. That's amazing. Yeah. And rules wise, it's heavy 14, strength 6, minus 2 rend, 2 damage. And if you roll any 6s to hit, they count as 2 hits. That's a lot of shots. Yeah, that is ridiculous. <laughs> this is yeah. mad, isn't it? There's also a cool one, which is like the Banner of Macarius Triumphant. Which basically gives your knight the objective secured rule. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And he counts as 10 models for, like, if, you know, if a tactical squad work, walks up, which has got the same rule to work out who trumps a knight counts as 10 models. So that's pretty good. And, um. So what infantry do they have? Do they, is is they it just about knights? Yeah. So it's, it's just about knights. They haven't talked about. Freaking massive kind of... knights. Little bit. Smaller knights and baby knights. Okay, so they haven't gone for uh, like auxiliary troops or anything like that. No. no, no. Okay, yeah. I just wondered because that would be quite cool having like stormtroopers painted up in the house colours and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could do that. Well, you don't have to. I, I just wondered if they put that in the book because I saw some pictures where they talked about auxiliary troops, and I thought I wondered if they had done that, but they haven't. So, oh. and then um, the armingers, arm arminger. Arminger, not auto cannons. So the new one that's come out, the Helverin, um, those guns are 2d3 shots, strength 7, minus 1 rend, um, and damage 3. So that's pretty cool. cool. Um, they also ignore the moving and firing minus 1 for heavy weapons. So that means those guys are going to be really quick. And there's so there's a stratagem for one command point where you can... Um, it's called Sky Reaper Protocols. And you ignore any modifiers for shooting at flyers. Oh, cool. So that's pretty cool. That, they're going to be quite good against toughies because they damage three, potentially six shots. It's good, isn't it? A good, a good round of shooting and you've got rid of some Terminators. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, those are the main things I picked out. I think it's a cool codex. With How big is it? Quite a Bigger than Codex it. Armageddon. Is it bigger than Codex <laughs> Armageddon? <laughs> well, there are page numbers. Yeah, you know, I can't remember, and I don't have the... No, that's cool. I mean, I think... Um, how much was it? 20 quid? It was 25? 20 pounds, yeah, because it's, it's 25. Um, It's 25 for the enhanced edition, so I think it must be 20, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's sort of in line with um, the Harlequin, so it's about that size. Okay. Yeah. So it's cool. 187 pages. That's not bad, is it? No, it's pretty cool, eh? Yeah. And there's still the rules for picking stuff up and throwing them with the Thunderstrike gauntlet. Is there? Yeah. Well, it like just a troll does, throwing a goblin. It just does D three mortal wounds to something nearby. So, that, nice. But you can imagine nice. it, can't you? Yeah, yeah, it can absolutely. Ooh. Well, that sounds cool. I, I, I 
very much like to do a night army, but um, I think if I was going to tackle a night army, I, I'd want to get my airbrushing skills up because I think the the, uh, the nights that are airbrushed just look superb. Yeah, um, and the weathering as well. I'd really like to go for the weathering. So, like on the Gatling cannon stuff, try and do like the heat bloom on the yeah the guns yeah. and do do all the weathering around the um exhaust the legs and stuff. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, extra on the legs, oil streaks. Yeah, be good. Awesome. So, um, crikey, we're rattling through this, aren't we? So that's that's um, brings us to the end of um, the 40k hobby disc, Galaxy of War. Um, next time, we might have more to talk about for the Space Wars, so brace yourselves. <laughs> yes, very... <laughs> well, no, don't brace yourselves. Go to Ikea... Buy yourself a fluffy rug and get involved. Yes, do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to get... We need to get a hashtag going, dude. Hashtag Ikea rugs for space wolves or something like that. Yeah, that's a bit of a mouthful, dude. Yeah, okay. Why not? You're the social media man. You come up with a name off the cuff. Go. Go. Come on. Uh, yeah. Ben's rugs. Ben's rugs? No, mate. <laughs> oh my days! We'll work on Amazing. that for next time. Ben's rugs. <laughs> oh dear! Well, on that bombshell, let's go <laughs> to the mortal realms. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back. So, um, amazing new announcement has happened in the last 10 minutes. Games Workshop have released, uh, over that period of time, some Orc Commandos. So, um, they have, they have been released just as I thought they would be, uh, and everything is as it should be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to start having mini in, t- in, like, in the middle segments. Yeah. So you sort of, you listen to the segment, and then we have the FAQ straight <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, so- a little bit like Games Workshop, and then there's a codex, and then two weeks later you get your FAQ. Yeah. Like, we'll we'll do the mints as, as it happens. They're very good models, and they're worth checking out. And the commander spelt with a K as well. So, um, of course, you realise that most people that uh, to whom it actually matters will, by this point, have already written us off as being. A bunch of novice no hopers. Oh well, perhaps we are. You know, that don't know uh, in fairness, I can't. I can't remember everything. So, anyway, no, let's move. Can. Let's move on to things that we know equally as little about. Um, so, so <laughs> into the mortal realm. <laughs> so, mortal realm are my days. So, oh my days, the, the soul, soul wars have begun. Yeah. So there's a. I mean, when this was released, I think the thing that I still think the most awesome part about the whole thing is is the little animation of the box being undone i think i just think it's amazing um okay so we are we are being treated to the second edition of age of sigma and it's being done um to the same standard and in the same fashion as um dark imperium with a swanky box 
um, with the hardback core rules and a bunch of stuff. And I think, dude, we're going to have to look through everything and just talk about it. I think that's the best way. Um, well, as we said just before we started, um, so products that I, I believe, well, I did read, will be with us um, on uh, the 30th, I think it is, isn't it? 30th yep. of June. Um, and on pre-order on the 16th are uh, the the box set, the box game, uh, the core book separately, the General's Handbook, the um, Endless Spells, the Magic box set, uh, the Combat Gauge, the Technical Paints for the Night Haunt, Command Dice, Scenery Dice, Wound Dice, the New Objectives, four of the easy-to-build sets that appear very like Shadespire, and... A uh, Stormcast emblem embossed kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah. All Pretty coming much. out. So that is an incredible lineup. It is. It is. Isn't it? So, I mean, I mean yeah, I'd like to have good. a closer look at the box set and um, and talk through what's in it. So the armies are pretty much what we all thought they were going to be. They're the ones that we saw at Warhammer Fest. And they are, the models are stunning in person. Um, so... That's really exciting, and it it's a a lot of models, frankly. Oh yeah. Um, there's only one in there that I don't like out of the whole set, and that's the Evocatus or Evocatus, however you choose to pronounce it. But, but, I don't know why. I think it's the poses, but I, I've got a feeling when I've got them in my hands, I'm going to change my mind. But other than that, the the whole set looks just awesome. I'm a big fan of Lord Uncarnum. On the Griff Charger, I think that's that's flipping awesome, rearing up. Do you mean the ones that you don't like are the the ones with like a sword and a staff, a yeah. staff in one hand don't and like a sword? Them. Yeah, you're you're wrong. Yeah, well maybe, but I don't care. So you'll, you'll love them. You'll love them. Uh, perhaps, but at the moment I don't. So um, the the Night Haunters. Oh dear me, I love so much about these. I love the fact that there are Skaven in there. I love the fact that. That, that this ah well interesting yeah, so you can tell your white dwarf is at your parents oh really okay go on then what are they so what they are and i love i absolutely love this piece of background the glaive wraith stalkers so these are souls that in life would hunt down innocent people um and take joy in hunting innocent people or creatures right um and slaying them so in death their forms have been molded with their their sort of mounts so that face is like a horsey and an equine face uh. um, and they are cursed to hunt their quarry forever at quite a stately pace so they sort of float through the realms like once you're a bit like in 40k where death marks, you know, they get Necron death marks, yeah. they have a specific target and then they sort of teleport through and get them. Well, they're like that. And they're, but they're, it's just a relentless thing. Cool. Like, and oh, mate, it could be so spooky. Cause like, although on, in like an open plains way, you'd be a bit like, uh, yeah, okay. Don't worry. They're just like, you know, like shambling horde zombie, like coming along and you're just like walking away from it. Like I can get away. But when you think about it in that kind of like, imagine you're in your shed and it's getting dark and the door goes and that thing kind of glides in like, oh, it's pretty spooky, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. 
<laughs> so, so I love them. I, anyway, I didn't need that being in a shed with it dark outside. That's that's thanks for that. Sorry, dude. Well, I was going to talk about it from my like in my hobby room, but then I was like, I can't see the door, and I was a bit frightened. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, that box set is um, it's got a lot of models, and to me, the Night Haunt are really exciting because they don't look hard to paint. You could, with a couple no. of really nice, you know, easy to do washing techniques, you've got yourself sorted. So, other things that are in there that I really like, um, there's a little novel in there, dude. That's so cool. Yes, there is. There's a little well, it's novel. the first chapter of the the Soul book. Yeah. Soul Wars book. <laughs> the Soul book. The Soul Wars novel. So, the dice are pretty. We always love a bit of dicage, and we love a bit of dicage. The um, well, and functional, if you say so, as well. Well, they are. They've got one, two, three, four, five, and six on them. I, that's nice. <laughs> that's me covering up because I was I when I said functional, I was talking about the new dice that are coming out. Yes, but you're still talking about the box <laughs> set. So I was like, oh, I was just going to throw that out there. So I really like the fact that there's war scroll cards in there. Yes, and they're a sensible size. Oh my goodness, I'm so pleased. So maybe they're going to redo all the others. um, Yeah, I know. And do you know what? I will not grumble one bit at that I've spent £15 on the Corn and the Stormcast ones, £30, and they're going to have ones that are a reasonable size. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's, I'm not even, I'm not being sarcastic. I really won't. Um, I might. I could sacrifice the Stormcast ones to corn on my barbecue. Oh my goodness, that's a bit dark. Yeah. Anyway, so it does reek of burning your army, though. You don't want to YouTube that and put it up. So no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going down um, that route. The the, uh, the full rule book is in there. A hardback rule book. <laughs> Talking about the rule book, just just going to interrupt again. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love the art on that and the handbook and the the magic yeah. the malign sorcery well malign so malign sorcery is cool art but those first two the the core book and the general's handbook i love the dark the the, the sort of black yeah. i think it's it looks more professional and oh it's just brilliant she looks yeah. badass so anyway, as well. So I mean, I like that. Yeah, and um, well, yeah. As you've managed to sort of move us on to it, um, the other books. So really cool. We've got um, General's Handbook, um, looking nice in its black front, and um, Malign Sorcery. So Malign Sorcery. We've all been sort of talking about, oh, how are they going to release the the spells? Um, you're going to have to buy boxes. You know, well, apparently, all in one box. So. I don't expect that that's going to be cheap. There's a fair few models in there, um, and some of them are whopping. Um, the Purple Sun and um, Ravenex and Ashen Jaws are about the size of tennis balls. So, um, Oh, they're huge. Yeah, so that, they're going to be they're huge. pretty big. Um, Dan it's a sent hard me a picture today. With cards? Wow, well, uh, yeah. Well, I hope it's hardback, because it says in White Dwarf in one place that it's softback, and in another place hardback. Well, the picture's hardback, and it's got a little page marker thread, so I'm going to go with I think it's going to be hardback. Yeah, I think it's going to be hardback. Dan sent me a picture of all the spells in the cabinet at Warhammer World, and there's a Nighthaunt model just off to the side. That purple sun is flipping huge. Yeah. 
Looks better though without the skull on it. Because in the picture he sent me, you can only see the back of it. But that's a personal thing, obviously. Personal. Yeah, so... Um... General's Handbook, 12 more match play scenarios, so for a total of 18. Yeah. yeah. What, are they going to keep the ones from the current one, are they? Yeah. Oh, so... that's interesting, because I thought the whole point was that every year they just sort of had a new set. Yeah, but they have updated them a bit. So the one with the mad, crazy deployment zone. Oh, so they rep- they've changed. reprinted them in there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I well, so I uh, I can't remember now. I listened to this earlier today on the Stormcast podcast, so you can find out a bit more actual proper information on there. But there's I'm. Oh, what did they say? Uh, six. The six. In the core, so there are six in the core rulebook now. Yeah, and there's twelve in twelve in the general. And there's twelve in the handbook. I think the six in the core book. Oh, and two in malign sorcery. There's going to be two in malign sorcery. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be twenty in total. So there's six. The six in the core book. I think might they're either the current six or the six that were in the first general's handbook. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember. So, yeah, there's going to be loads, loads to choose from. Excellent. So, so yeah, malign sorcery stuff looks really good. You have to pay points for those spells. Did you know that? Well, yeah, I, I yes, they are very much going to be an add-on. I think. Um, so yes. it sounds like you'll be able to play games without endless spells or without the malign sorcery rules, which is cool. Um, because I think that I'm going to go back a long time now. So I've got I've got the magic, uh, battle magic, and warhammer magic boxes. Um, which were similar to the Dark Imperium. I've got that too. And those those three boxes were very much, if you had them, you you just you were able to do more. And when I was playing back then, there wasn't a great deal of um, structure about how you would use them. So they were they weren't considered an add on. They were very much considered this is how you use magic, and you need it. But if you didn't, then you were using the stuff that was in the rulebook, and that was it. Um, and you often got absolutely whopped in the magic phase because you didn't invest in the the boxes. Am I making sense? You are, but I disagree it, that it matters. In what way? It, it, in in as much as that is no different in my head to getting whopped in the combat phase because you haven't invested in something that you need that's effective for your army. Yeah, but this, this is... No, because the difference is that back then... The magic in the magic boxes was significant. It was it was significant. Whereas now, the end of spells feels like an add-on that you don't need to have because all the other spells are in your in your in, or on your cards. Um, but if you both choose to do that, you've got that extra cool thing that you can have. So for me, it feels like a much better way of doing it because yeah, because I just remember playing as a kid and thinking, oh, this great, this this person has got. The magic box, and he's got all these cards. It's got like the ultimate dispel <laughs> but, and stuff like well, that. Well, not just that, but it was packed full of magic items as well. So, oh. so you'd you'd have people playing magic items that were just significantly more advanced than the ones that you could cut out of your high elf book or something. Um, Crown of command. Yes. So um, bring it on. Yeah. So I quite like I quite like the fact that it's a bolt on, um, and I like the fact it's got models in. A, d- a yeah. lot, really. Um, I think the Bits websites will do well. 
You do, do you? Because they'll break those down, yeah. Yeah, because there'll be people that are looking for that spell that really enhances their army. Um, like once they've been out for a bit and people know what they all do and stuff. Uh, and then they'll just want to go on and buy that one spell. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm not, that's not, a, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, my favourite is still the burning head. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Mine's getting painted green. Flat out painted it's green. It's the way they've painted it. Now that's a great idea, actually, painting it green. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna yeah, look like Gork and Walker coming to eat your face. So, right, okay, good, nice. Yeah. Um, Dan Wozley loves the like chains that grab your ankles. Yeah, I like those as well. They're they're something quite. I can't think of the film that they remind me of, but they do remind me of a film. Hmm. Uh, it'll come to me at some point. So that's really cool. Fair enough. Um. Then we've got all the gubbins, and dude, the gubbins are amazing. So we've seen this, the paints are. Th- do you know what those pictures don't do them justice? And the pictures I took didn't uh, at Warhammer Fest and shared. They didn't do them justice either. When you see them working, they are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. That grey tone looks good over black, mm. let alone you know over white. So yeah, I'm really excited about both of those. Um, have, have a mess yep, they're cool. With... I'm really excited about the combat gauge because, as you know, I already got excited about the combat gauge for knights. So I'm clearly com- excited about this combat gauge. It's pretty sturdy um, looking, and isn't it's it? eight pounds or seven pounds instead of twenty. Yeah, um, the last one was a not bit ridiculous. quite the lump that if you dropped it on a model, it would just destroy it. Um, so that's cool. The dice. Moving on to the actual these dice now that are functional. Yeah, Harriet thought. I showed her the scenery dice when I was doing. I got. I told you. <laughs> I got the iPad out and showed her the article where they announced Soul Wars. And I went through it and I made her watch the video. And then I moved her through each product, explaining why it was good uh, and why it would enhance my experience of uh, of Warhammer. Yeah. Um, and she was like, "Is this a sales pitch?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." So <laughs> she thought I showed her the scenery dice and she went, "Oh, that's nice, a snowflake." And I was like. That is not a snowflake. That is the star of chaos. Um, so yeah, that's a snowflake. And the other thing was, you know, the things we were talking about, the skaven that aren't skaven. Yeah. Vultures with swords, she thought they were. Well, she's not wrong. They do look a lot like vultures. That's quite cool, isn't it? So, so yeah, so the dice are very nice. The scenery dice in particular. Yeah, scenery um, dice are really useful. I want to grab some of them. Um, and the objectives are ace. They are. Really good. I particularly like, there's like a stack of swords and shields and stuff. And I'm sure that's a model representation of a piece of artwork. Maybe. Um, yeah, I think I know the one. That yeah. was on the wall at Warhammer World somewhere. I like the tomb. But yeah, I like that. You like the tomb? Yeah, and I like the, the, the sort of orby thing. Yeah, that's great. So when I, at Warhammer World, at Warhammer Fest, he was saying that's like a key. Cool. So if you imagine, you know that you know on the um the shattered Dominion board, yeah. There's the big round sort of cog things. Yeah. He's he was describing it like as if that was a key, and then your guys got to it and pulled it to pushed it down into the earth, and it activated that that whole thing, and the battlefield started moving and stuff. That's really cool. That sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, so I I, I really like, I I love the forty k ones. I really ought to buy a box of them because I really like them actually. 
be- mm. before. Um, should have got them when they came out because now I've got all this to buy this month. It's not, <laughs> not going to happen, is it? <laughs> no. So yeah, load loads of stuff, loads of stuff. Um, so I thought it'd be quite cool. The sacrosanct chamber that are um the guys that are in the box. Yeah. They are like the guardians of the anvil of uh, apotheosis, which is where the stormcasts get reforged. And um, I was saying the other day that apparently sometimes when Sigma brings the souls back up, they escape and they just ping around the like area and they call them lightning geists um, because it's really painful and the souls are almost trying to escape the process. Yeah. Which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and on a soul note as well, the night haunt are all like the bad guy souls. Yeah. So Sigmar's not just stealing stole souls from Nagash, if you look at it that way. He's taking all the good ones and leaving all the rubbish ones for Nagash. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. That's... Yeah. Nagash doesn't deserve yeah. nice ones, eh? So like the, the, the Knight of Shrouds is like, was a hero. But he betrayed his people, so he didn't become a stormcast, and he gets to go to Nagash. And then, like the shambling hordes of of um, night haunty things are all like murderers and stuff that just have to spend forever contemplating what they've done. Yeah, we've already spoken about the glaive rife dudes. Um, yeah, so well, not only not only that. When you're thinking of night haunt, we've got the um, the character model that we've seen, and and the other two. That are just stunning examples of what you can do with plastic. I mean, the yeah. silhouette of one of them, but this is whopping great model that obviously we don't know what it is yet. That's supported by one tiny thing, <laughs> which is um, which is just a testament to what they can do. So I think you know the guy with the like hangman's knees on. Yeah, he is um, he is um, an executioner. Like he was an executioner in life that took too much pleasure from doing his job. So Nagash has cursed him to like go around like that. And all the souls that are around him are the souls of the um people he, he killed. But they protect him to prolong his torment. Nice. I it, it said um when I was reading you can tell I've read a bit <laughs> I got quite excited and read all the like little bits from the White Dwarf. Yeah, I wouldn't mind now. Yeah. Oh, it'll turn up tomorrow. But, you know, you know, you, you'll just have to think about actually giving the money uh, to Games Workshop that it deserves, won't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're pretty cool as well. Is it- so lots of cool stuff, basically. It is a yeah. It is it's it's exciting. Do you know what I love about all this is that is that it, this has been played out. This release has been played out since Christmas. The malign yeah. the malign importance has been was setting the stage for this and getting everyone involved and building your armies and you're building a narrative and then and then you you've, they've dropped this and it's sort of like the end point for that narrative. And I think this I think it's awesome. Um. In much the same ways as, 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 as I suppose, retrospectively, Gathering Storm was. 
yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's quite exciting for the future of both games because it seems that both of these sets are progressing the storyline. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. And I think, again, that just shows why ultimately the decision was made to destroy the world that was because it existed for its entire lifetime in that sort of two minutes to midnight state, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where, like, chaos was on the doorstep. And really, that when you've only got one world, that limits you a bit. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, now the big threat isn't chaos at the moment. The big threat is death. And, and, cha- yeah. and chaos are on the back foot because they've been walloped by... Sigma, and it is. I think it's great because we're going to be watching those. We're going to be watching the kind of unfolding drama of of the of the mortal realms, and it feels like the future doesn't feel finite. Whereas in Warhammer World, it always did. It always felt like it was all going to come to an end anyway. So there's a sense of futility about it, and and that that had its pros in the sense that the stories were felt like that but it, the, the cons were also that Games Workshop would really struggle to move it forward in any sensible way yeah um, so yeah so we have got also the last two things to talk about those two add-on box sets which are very nice one for each two for each army um, I particularly like the the Stormcast one where She's leaning on her shield with a thing over her shoulder. She looks pretty awesome. And Mate, it's all about those banshees. Those are incredible. Yeah, and they they're interesting, aren't they? They're are they actual banshees or are they are they your new unit? They're Mirmorn banshees. Mirmorn banshees. Are there any they they curse they are cursed to endlessly wander in search of magical sustenance. I actually did just read that out. In case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> And they basically, so they're like the bane of wizards. Are they? I'm just but scrolling back up. Are they in the box set at all? No. So they're not really an add-on unit. They're a completely different unit. Yeah. Ah. Cool. And just to add to the sort of imagery I was floating earlier about those those hunters, those glowfree stalkers, the four of them come with um with a drum yes so you know when i said like that spooky thing comes in to your your uh shed yeah armed with a drum yeah it's cool isn't it <laughs> very nice so yeah so lots of cool stuff so we what are we doing oh yes i have negotiated that on the evening of the release, um, and the following Sunday, all day, um, I will be doing Age of Sigma Hobby, which I'm hoping you can come to. Well, yeah, we'll see. But I think the tough. negotiations are ongoing. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, that. Um, but it will be hobby, whatever happens. Yes. So we've got we've got so excited we've actually got through all that really quickly. Good, that's okay. So now just to get my old box set finished so that I have a chance of even looking at the new one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hurry up then. That's all right. We like you say 
we got through this segment quickly, so that'll give you an extra four or five minutes to do some painting later. <laughs> yeah. On that box set. Yes, yeah. Well, in that case then, we better get on to the community, my friend. I think so. I think so. So thank you, Mortal Realms. Guys, we will see you uh, in the community. Or for the FAQ that comes in between them. Or for the FAQ <laughs> news segments. <laughs> Three, two, one. So, um, we've decided to go back and record a tiny little add-on for Mortal Realms in our FAQ styling. So, piling in. So, last time we talked a lot about the the different rules that had been shown. Um, and then we talked about what else we'd like to see. And I basically said, I want to see something that makes my blood letters better. Um, and they've done it! Yes! So they've updated uh, a few things around measuring. So base to base is now official, which is, to be honest, what everyone does anyway. Totally sensible and about time uh, that it's official. In fact, it even says in, in the thing, everyone does it anyway. Now it's official. So that's cool. Um, and then the other one is when you're piling in now, you you can't finish your move further away than the closest model. That then you then you started to the closest model, which basically means you can move around. You can sort you can go around the model now. Yeah, in the base space, which just means everything can sort of move in more, which made me very happy. I don't think it made everyone else very happy as much as it made you happy, but I think it's made me very. Happy. It's a it's a good new addition, isn't it? Well, I think it is because it's very disappointing when you can't. You've painted up loads of models and you can't get them into combat. It's different when you've pinned them between two pieces of scenery or whatever because that's your own fault and your opponent has done well tactically. But when it just makes no sense, it drives me up the wall. It does. Um, it does feel a little bit more like um, as well the the old Warhammer rules where you had lapping round. Oh yeah, which I think was a really yeah that was made a lot of sense and I think this makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Me too. I think um So that has made me happy. Yes. Good. Well I think um it's gonna be difficult fighting your blood letters now. So Good. Get them get them between two pieces of scenery and, and that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. They've they won't have made a rule that can account for my tactical um inability. <laughs> oh, you're not that bad, dude. Not that great either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, welcome back. Um, We are now in the community. So it's time for some some shout-outs. Ben, you've got a pretty cool one that you've... um, Oh, yeah, our Instagram one. ...seen on Instagram. Um, this time is for a chap called The Real Broken Fingers. Um, his stuff is a huge inspiration for my weathering. And um, it, he's got some really wicked tutorial series of pictures on there that are well worth having a look at to help guide you through how he's weathered his stuff. Um, my particular favourite is his um, Imperial Fist dude. I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look at them. 
Um, I think it's just got the weather in absolutely spot on 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 those. Um, yeah. The chipping and the dirt, and it's just the balance is absolutely perfect. So for me, he's he's been someone that I've been following since. Well, since we started doing the weathering on my Space Wolves, and he's been a really big influence. So, um, and I've learned a lot just by reading his tutorial. So, I'd like to give him a a shout out. And um, he, I follow him on Instagram, so I don't know what he is on other places, and uh, where he is the real broken fingers. And um, well, well worth a look. Cool. Well, I'm going to check it out because I I'd like to do a bit more with weathering and stuff. Um, so it'd be nice to see if he's got, like you say, if there's like the tutorial things on there. That sounds excellent. Yeah, yeah, particularly the chipping bits. Yeah. So he he uses a lot of the um, chipping fluid on his actual just on his normal dudes. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Then. Really cool. Oh yeah, Ace. Oh, this is really cool. Oh, that <laughs> guy there with like an yeah. eye missing. That's excellent. Um, he's just done a, a really rather cool squad. Um, in black, which I think uh, Death Watch, who um, I came back to um, when I was looking for a style that I wanted my Death Watch to be in. So, oh, they're, they're not Death Watch. I don't really know what they are, but they're they're black and they look and they're using a lot of the Death Watch kits. Um, so I'm that's the sort of style I was going for. Down, or hoping to go for. It is, isn't it? So, yeah, that's um, really nice. Yeah, take a look at that, guys. Very cool. Yeah, check him out. So I wanted to do a shout out to um, uh, a Facebook group. So it's the Adeptus Titanicus 2017 group, um, which I only joined recently, as you would imagine from the uh, the name. Um, so that's uh, obviously revolving around Adeptus Titanicus. But what I really like is it's so active and the game's not even out yet. So <laughs> lots of people talking about it. Um but but also lots of cool pictures of Titans in 40k, but Titans from the original Adeptus Titanicus as well. Some really cool sort of old hammer images of the original Titanicus um, from back oh in White Dwarfs, like goodness knows how far back. I think around sort of 110. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So really, really cool um, to see that. It's the first place that a picture popped up that I saw of an original Adeptus Titanicus Titan next to a new Titan- Adeptus Titanicus Titan, which is hilarious. Yes. Um, also, still some bits pop up there from time to time from Epic as well. Um, and a lot of people just wigging out recently over whether... You remember that? I think you even commented on the picture somewhere, but there was a picture doing the rounds where there was like this tech priest scratching his head and he had a button that was like buy a buy imperial knights or save money <laughs> yeah. for adeptus titanic i really like yeah that. i love that <laughs> yeah. so that was really cool um so yeah definitely shout out to those guys if you are looking at getting into titanicus um or wondering what it's all about definitely worth looking them up um we'll get we'll do the link thing like we did uh last time um so we'll the good we'll thing about those kind of groups that. is that is that Titanicus is going to need a whole bunch of other stuff surrounding it, a, a new a new set of scenery, for example, new boards, yeah, and and groups like that are really good for inspiring you to get to get those projects done, so that when the game is released, you're gonna you know you have a lot of it already under your belt. Um, game the, the groups like the Fall, Fallout Forum were exactly the same. Um, 
they've had long enough now it's been delayed for so long that they've practically all finished bonds. <laughs> um yeah so go 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 over there for inspiration to get yourself ready for titanicus it's interesting i think they really learned something with titanicus by doing the terrain because it's a different scale yeah because i think that's where inquisitor really suffered um being 54 mil and nobody had terrain for it um yeah so yeah that, that's great i'm i'm glad they've done terrain but yeah you're completely right um head on to there for some inspiration because there's some great stuff on there really really good and dan's still struggling um, with which button to press <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well underneath that you can't see there's a massive button that just says more skulls <laughs> just press that one <laughs> repeatedly bang 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 bashing <laughs> yeah, that one so, as is traditional, uh, we like to go at this point and look at events. Yes. So, on the events calendar. So, firstly, though, a bit of a shout out because uh, it is the Warhammer, uh, or one of the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament heats uh, this weekend. And Tom, Mika, has uh, has gone through, he's become a finalist, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Congratulations, Tom. Well done. We just read that this so afternoon. That's good. Um, using the wrong Chaos God, sadly. Uh, got totally confused clearly when in a games workshop and purchased Slanesh box sets um, <laughs> I, I, there can't have been know, many of them these things do happen <laughs> I think pardon there can't be many of them <laughs> no I mean to be fair he probably got he probably like sort of was going through the box set and then caught the eye of the mask of Slanesh or something and she's like done like one of her glamour things and gone ooh Tommy <laughs> 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 and then he's done the Slanesh army. So, so what, what's your excuse for your girl? I um, I love skulls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know what my excuse is? Yeah, I know. I had to do them because everyone else was doing the storm cards. Sure, yeah, but everyone believes you. It's so, <laughs> right. Let's just calendar it up. Calendar it up. Black Library Live is coming up soon. Yeah, this weekend. 16th of uh, June on there. Um, Curtonian Carnage as well. 16th as well, um, yeah. On the 16th. And uh, next next weekend, on the 23rd, is Barb's and Barb's Models and Games is Guild Ball Bash. Um, and then on the on the note of football, Terra Games, um, who we really must go over and see Terra Games, dude, um, at some point. I might make a make a mission to do that. Um a running I don't know how to say this. I think tum tumble 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 terror games. Tum BBL, whatever how you ever you say that. Tumble Tumb Blood Bowl or something like that. Terror Games is a Blood Bowl tournament that they're running um every Thursday evening um for this. No 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 no. That that BBL must be Blood Bowl League, mustn't it? Yeah, but what's the tum? I don't know, but it's not going to be one word, is it? Well, okay. Pronounce tum, one word. Tum BBL. That's what I said. No, you went tumble. 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 Yeah, all right. Tumble. Terror Games. Okay. The Blood Bowl League in Terror Games. There's a Blood <laughs> <laughs> We should go back, by the way, because I mentioned Curtonian Carnage. I didn't even say what it was. Curtonian Carnage is a 40k tournament, everyone, and that's, that's on the 16th. Um... And the, the uh, two thousand points maximum of three detachments and sustained fire going up to that. So that'd be cool to watch. Uh, oh, 
Lock up your mothers. <laughs> don't even. <laughs> don't even. Best not go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. It is. It stands for Terror's Ultimate Mayhem Blood Bowl League. Brilliant. There you go. That's cool. I, I, I can understand why they've put it as an acronym now. <laughs> um, yeah, so looking forward a tiny bit forward. Um, Saturday the 7th and 8th of July is Geekfest 4. And that is down in a Heartlands, which is um, a, a mining a museum and sort of um, event centre down in the centre of Cornwall. So um, that's going to be pretty cool. And Dan and I are going to be there to talk about the setting of a podcast, which is just which, <laughs> this. What they did, dude, is they went. They should want to be able to have a, a professional podcasting team that know absolutely how to do it and will be able to answer all their questions. And then they tried all of them, and they weren't available. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Yes. And big, oh, there's a cool event. Big Southwest Crash. It's on the Saturday, the seventh of July, and Sunday, the seventh of July. Um, that is the the Kings of War one, isn't it? Just bringing that up. Yeah, Kings of War. So that's um, that's on that week. What you've also got the greetings from the warp. Although it's also it's greetings from the Age of Sigma. Yeah, um, let me just double- so those guys do some great stuff. I don't think that that event's going ahead. Oh. I think they've moved the date of that, but I've left it on there because it is going ahead, but not not on that date. Um, oh, okay. And so I need to change that. So, um, looking a little bit forward to the twenty first is Attack two thousand and eighteen, um, which is the the uh, devices. Is how I said it, but you, you live closer, so you might have heard it said better. How do you say that? Devise? I'm not risking being the one that comes up with a pronunciation for things. <laughs> so the devices group, which is a very active... Divises. Divises. No, I've just made that up. <laughs> very just, active war games group. Silly. Sorry. Um, oh, for crying out loud, the internet won't work, man, so I can't look up... So that's Attack 2018. They they run like a nice big event. Um and then there's the or the twenty second the Terranian Open War at Terra Games, um, and that takes us pretty much to the end of July. Oh no, hang on. There's a this is some craziness going on here. There's a twenty four hour board game marathon in Wincanton, um, which sounds absolutely knackering, like a game of Axis and Allies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to be honest, that's that is sick. I mean, that's that's going to be for the people who are like got much more fortitude than me. Um, so that that's that's on on Saturday the twenty eighth of July, along with the X Wing Store Championships at Curtain Games. So there's a nice busy July and June for everyone. Well, and also, let's not forget, the 15th of July, I think it is, is a Sunday, is the Forge World Open Day. Oh, yes. Yeah. That I will certainly be going to. Um, ben, the base is coming for all your basing needs. 15th of July? Yeah. 
That's going to be that. Yeah, that's going to have a lot of the um, of the Titanica stuff there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping to see some of that, and I'm hoping to see um, possibly some more information about the um, Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. Box set that we haven't even discussed, but we can't discuss everything. No, that's that's, that's going to be really exciting. Oh, there's a little one. There's a Battle Group South War Games show at the Tank Museum on the 14th of July. Oh, yeah. I've completely forgotten about that. Yeah. That, that looked amazing. So that that's um, that's somewhere that you used to go all the time, actually. Bovington Tank Museum, isn't there? Yeah, it's awesome. Back when... It's not a good idea, though, for me to go to a War Games show surrounded by tanks. No. no. The chances are I will come home with a copy of Bolt Action and I will drive <laughs> home in some kind of armoured vehicle. Yeah, well, it would be... Such a thing has previously happened. I was going to say, it's not far-fetched for you to come home with an armoured vehicle, Dan. No. (laughs) No. Now everyone needs to see pictures of you in your tank. Oh, well, I'll put that on my list. Right. So, bit of a roundup. All done. Anyone wants to add any events to that, then feel free. Please let us know if you're running an event and you want us to give it a shout-out. and. If you want us to put it on the calendar, just drop us an email either from via the website or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And because um, we want this to be as useful for people as possible, really. Um, cool. So it's now time to go into the wilds where um, we're going to have a chat with Shades of Chaos Games. Hi guys, and welcome into the Wilds, where we're just going to do a short intro and then head over to a, um, an interview with the Shades of Chaos Games guys. So, um, Shades of Chaos are the chaps that um, make Outlands, which is the game that we've talked about a few times, and they've just released a bolt-on to the system called How to Be a Badass, <laughs> um, and they're going to tell us Excellent. all about it. Um, so, we're going to head on over to that now. So I, um, I'm here with John and Ross from Shades of Chaos Games, and um, they have got a new book coming out called How to Be a Badass, which me and Dan love the name of, so you can tell me all about it, John. Right, so Outlands Legends How to Be a Badass is a, not a game supplement for Outlands. It's more of a game bolt-on system. Right. So before I talk about that, we need to talk a bit a little bit about Outlands. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So Outlands is a tabletop miniature skirmish game. Um, you basically to play it, you can use any scenery you want: tape measure, handful of six-sided dice, any five miniatures that you already own. And we've proven that because we've played a few games with some random yeah. stuff, haven't we? And, and the rule book. Um, the game lasts about an hour. Right? Yeah, and that's for a beginner. So people like myself and Ross who've been playing it for the last four years can get a game out in half an hour. Agreed? Mm, possibly my decision-making skills. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> um, it's, it originally started off as a game for us to play at the club yeah. that we both used to go to. Um, and over the last five years, it's now morphed into a, a standalone game which is now available to the public. 
the influences in that game set come from a million different types of media and product. It's I've got a collection of 40 years worth of action films floating yeah, around in yeah. my head. And you can see that when you're reading through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the set in itself is very sci-fi spaghetti western. Yeah. And it's very Mad Max, Firefly. So you've got your movies, you've got your, your TV shows. But one of the um, key aspects of the game is, is the campaign system. Where yeah. Every game should be different because after every game you get to progress your characters yeah. on. Um, a lot of that has come from a video game. Badlands? Borderlands. Borderlands. Borderlands, much. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's insp- it, we're both very keen gamers. Yeah. So a lot of what we play online or in front of the TV is now influencing what we do in our game. Yeah. And it plants yeah. that seed. We might... It's not a direct copy as such, but we take that idea and we, we cultivate it into our own game yeah, system. Yeah. Which is it's pretty good. I don't understand why it doesn't happen a lot more. I mean, well, making the game... We're, we're video or... games have now moved from that the boys' yeah. bedroom. It's now part of your entertainment system in yeah, your living room. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And well, we've got all these tabletop games. You can see where they, they've, they've come from. But that video game market, unless you're looking at the Fallout game or the, the Dark Souls game, yeah, and I believe God Tier by Steam Forge is based around League of Legends. Is I, it? Apparently so. Apparently really, so. I didn't know that. Which That's, is yeah, yeah. genius if you can yeah. get that to work on a tabletop. You, you've won already. Yeah. So and I don't understand what there seems to be some sort of barrier why we're not using more of what's going on in the video game market, which yeah. is as big as Hollywood. Yeah. And it's not being done on the tabletop. There's Alien vs. Predator as well now, which yeah. is possibly as much to do with the films as it is the games. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a Terminator game out there as well. And that's yeah. like a direct tie-in to yeah. that yeah. to that um, IP property. So we, we we've taken all these ideas and we, we've we've moulded them into Outlands, the game. Outlands Legends is also inspired by video games. Yeah. So if anyone plays a video game now, they will know that there is, in most video games, there's a system, there's an achievement system. Yeah, yeah. You do so many actions in a game and you'll get a little badge that pops up and say, well, you've done this, and it's more like a a bragging right more than anything else. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I know there are some games like World of Warcraft that give you rewards if you do certain achievements. And people will play for hours to get this. Well, Luke... (laughs) Loot Hall. <laughs> Look at your face, Ross. Which is, which is Ross. He's a self-confessed loot whore. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's definitely there. The idea with Outlands Legends is that you get that achievement system in Outlands. Yeah. So I'm going to call it Legends from now on, because Outlands Legends, how to be a badass, is a bit of a mouthful. Some of the people we've spoken to think, oh, that's great, that's a, a wonderful idea mm. that's new and it's different well it may be new to people who are just hearing it but me and ross have been running this idea for a couple of years now haven't we and it's just getting it to work yeah outlands is a fast game so we had to have this bolt-on system that was really quick yeah where people are not flicking through a rule book trying to look at certain things it has to be quick you do it in game boom outlands legends is a bolt-on to the main game 
Yeah. So we don't want to slow the main game down. An hour maximum, most games. We can get through. We can take a beginner through a game in an hour. Yeah. A full game. Yeah. Outlands Legends now has this ability, this this um, add-on system to Outlands. And in, in the Legends rulebook, there are certain types of abilities. You've got your, your character achievements, your team achievements, yeah. your bonus achievements, and your badass points. So I'll come back to the badass points. Your game will typically have five models per side, mm-hmm. and the character achievements relate to those models. Yeah. So you can take uh, two achievements. You pick your achievements to go with your, with, with your model. Um, that's more to do with the progression system. It's building that character up. So, for an example, and I'll try and find my favourite one. If I've got a model with Revive. Which is really useful in game. Really useful in game. Yeah. For those who don't know, the Revive ability, uh, if you lose a model in game, it's been killed or it's out of action, a, a friendly model with Revive can come along and bring it back to life. So for and a model. So try not to get shot yourself. Try not, yeah, try not <laughs> to get killed yourself. So there is an achievement. Achievement number seven is the Reviver. So each achievement has got a, a dialogue box which will tell you exactly what you need to do to earn an achievement point. So number seven, the Reviver. Earn one achievement point and one badass point every time this character successfully completes the Reviver ability. Easy enough. Every yep. time it happens, you tick a box. Good. The difference we've got now between our game and, and, and the video game, where in video game you get a little notification come up saying that you've done something, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. We like to reward our players for doing stuff. Yeah. So each achievement has a tier reward. So those tier rewards are either two, three, or four. So in this case, it is tier rewards unlock every 10 achievement points to earn towards this achievement. So in so this case, 10 revives. If you yeah. use revive 10 times, and you don't have to use it in the same game because those points will carry over, yeah. you get to unlock the first tier. Mm. And then if you use it a second time, uh, another 10 times, you get to unlock the uh, tier reward 2, yeah. then tier reward 3, and, and 4, and so forth. So this really is geared towards the campaign aspect. It is. Yeah. <clears throat> In all cases, in all the, the, the character achievements, the first tier is always uh, a bonus to your loot pool. So in Outlands, the main currency is credits, because we stayed up all night thinking that name up for it, <laughs> and, and spice crystals. Yeah. At the end of the game, when you progress and you level up, you spend your credits to get better abilities. Yeah. So having that extra little bit of a bonus, it's more of an incentive to get that first tier out of the way. For the Reviver, Tier 2, immediately add three dice to your loot pool. So that's going to be somewhere between 18 and 360 extra credits. Yeah. Every time this character successfully uses the Revive special ability, remove one loot dice from your opponent's loot pool. From that point onwards? Yeah. Forevermore? Forevermore. Ah, I love it. So (laughs) if you... um, kill a hostile model, yeah. you automatically 
Or if you wound it, you automatically get a loot dice. Yeah. yeah. That's, an, that's a mechanic of the actual Outlands game. The actual yeah, Outlands just clarify game. That, yeah. So it, now in the, in, with this achievement, if your opponent has killed your model and you bring it back to life, they don't get why, it. why don't you take that dice back? Yeah. Yeah? The tier three for that is immediately add three loot dice to your loot pool. Yeah. You get to take that one loot dice back from your opponent and you get to add it to your own loot pool. Excellent. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So it's all starting to build up. And then the last tier, which is tier four, you get to do all that previous stuff, the free dice, so you get to take the loot dice from your opponent, add it to your loot pool. But you, when you use Revive... Because you've got to that maximum now. You've used it 40 times to get up to tier 4. Successfully used it 40 times. Successfully yeah, used yeah. it 40 times. Your target regains two health points instead of just the one. So this is really encouraging the, you to use the model's abilities because sometimes you can forget that they're there or sit on them and not actively yeah. do it. This is actually a thing, which you do in a computer game, don't you? If you want to get your achievement, you'll run out and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the achievements in this book, the character achievements, is 100 character achievements and you can take two per model in your team so that's 10 you can have running at any time mm. um, and can you change them at any time you can abandon an achievement if and you that want will to. reset the numbers that will reset the achievement points you built up yeah but not your badass points okay yeah. badass points are something a bit different so when when we we finish the game of outlands you always level up you always progress right Picking the right achievement to go with the right model mm -hmm. and the right characters is going to be key here. Yeah. Yeah. So we got an example, uh, sniper versus sniper. Where to kill another sniper. Kill another sniper, you get an achievement point and a badass point. Yeah, and you've just, you've just changed the sniper rifle, haven't you, a little bit? Because yeah. it was, it it was, was a, a little bit overpowered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's things like that. A sneaky bastard, which is one of the achievements has every time you use a sneak heroic action sneak successfully yep. you get a point for it yeah yeah so that's your character achievements we then have team achievements which count for the whole team uh any model in your team does that achievement that task will get the achievement point and these are quite special i mean we're talking like a hundred achievement points per level per Per tier, yeah, and yeah. Quite, some of them are just like one shot. They're that special for the whole team. Yeah, yeah. So going back to that revive thing, you need to do that ten times before you unlock your first tier reward. And Which, how long is that roughly taking? Because you guys play test a lot. How long uh, has that taken you to? To be fair, successfully use revive in a game, you could probably do it five times. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll probably fail it five times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you, you are allowed to carry over your achievement points. So if you've done it five times in one game, yeah. the next time you start, you've already got five points in it. Yeah, so you're, you're thinking maybe three or four games, really, for a tier. Some of them, yeah. Some, you're gonna, all of the achievements, you're never going to be able to start off with zero and then build up to the first tier in one game. No. No. We like to give our players something for doing stuff, but we don't like to give it away for free. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or Ross might like to give stuff away for free. But... <laughs> we will go there. Yeah, we won't go down that road. 
So, so you, you've got your character achievements, you've got your team achievements, and we've got bonus achievements. Now, yeah. bonus achievements, there are no bonus achievements in the Legends book. Bonus achievements relate, relate more to uh, specific missions. Right. Yeah. So in mission one, if you get the mission pack, you've got murder on Main Street there will be an achievement to go with that murder on Main Street. And that's a pack you can get from your site, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can download that for free. The, yeah. the, the original six missions you can get, or in fact, you can get all of our missions for free, can't you? So our, our content update, the Outlands Chronicles, always has at least one mission in it. Yeah. And I think we're on to mission 14 at the minute. Uh, the Shard. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. going to be, it's only going to be the next couple of days that, the next patch is going to come out. Yeah. The follow-on patch from that, uh, we're going to compile a, a list of bonus achievements. Mm. Your bonus achievements run alongside your main character achievements. Yeah. At the end of that mission, you automatically abandon that achievement, but you get to keep the points. Right. Yeah. That's, that's going back to where we wanted every game to be different. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, one of the things I will say about the system is every game is different. Yeah, uh, it's not been, it's nothing to do with the terrain or the scenery or even the scenario. It, it creates those atmospheric, cinematic moments. It's that, epic moments. Yeah, like where we look because you always remember the epic stuff. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and it, I think I personally I think it's because of the reaction, action, reaction thing. I think that well, that's core to the system. It is. Yeah, it keeps both players into it. There's a lot of games out that do have a reaction system in it but it mm. always sometimes i don't say always sometimes feels like it's been bolted on yeah as an afterthought well the reaction system in outlands is the backbone of the system yeah yeah it keeps both players engaged at the same time yeah which is pretty cool especially when it comes to the epic fails yeah yeah you, well, i think it's really hard for a game to do that and it's not often you come across a game where you don't sit back on your turn and, and become a very passive part of the game other than to sort of cheer the opponent on, which I try and do because I think that adds a lot to it. But when you're actively in the game all the time, I think that's that's quite an achievement for a game, to be honest. Yeah, we've, we've all been there. We used to play Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. And you play 2000 and you spend the first 45 minutes waiting for your guy to set, your, your friend to set his models up. Yeah. And then you spend the next 45 minutes where they're moving and shooting and you're just sitting there. Mm. And you're looking at a number every now and then to check your defence. Yeah. And we, we're living in a world now where people just don't have that time to do it. No. No, so you want to be engaged from the You want to be engaged from the very beginning, play a game quickly. Our, our club nights are normally four to five hours long, mm. and we can get three games in easily, quite yeah. easily. Well, I, you know, I often turn up at eight, and by 11 I've played, I know I've played two games. Yeah. And that's with me flapping the gums. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or, 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 or Ross is overthinking of everything and just to get shot. <laughs> By keeping that, that element in there, it's that surprise factor as well. Because you don't know if your opponent's going to make a reaction to what you do. No. And you're sitting there watching them build up the reaction dice. You yeah, know, and you're thinking, oh, do I really want to risk running out and getting yeah. shot at? Well, that's it. So those bonus achievements, going back to the bonus achievements, are will be for missions. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to give it that little bit of an extra kick yeah. to it. Yeah. 
Which brings me to the badass points. Now, to, to complete an achievement from start to finish in one game is, is, is in, impossible. You're either cheating if you do, <laughs> or you're playing someone who, who's, who's just not even there. Yeah. They're just not even interested in what's going on. Every time you get an achievement point, you get a badass point. Everyone. Every achievement. So no. So when your model gets an achievement point, all right, yeah, it also earns a badass point. Okay. And your badass points collect up. Yeah. And it's for your whole team. And this accumulates from from, from game to game. It accumulates. When you work out your your income, your credits for each game, yeah, which is you add all your your dice together and you times it by twenty and so and so, you then add your badass points. Yeah. It. So in your first game you try it, you might have five badass points. In your second game you might have ten or twelve or fourteen. Fourteen badass points is going to buy you a grenade if you need it. And you get to keep those badass points every you keep time. It. It's a, it's so it's like a, a measure of your team how. Famous your your team yeah. is. So let's take an example. Let's go for the revive. If you've got one guy who's on tier one revive, so he's done it ten times successfully, yeah. then theoretically your your team will have ten badass points. Yeah, yeah, and they stack. They stack. So theoretically, if you've got a a whole bunch of guys each running their upgrades, by the time you get to them all to tier one, which potentially can happen simultaneously you'll have 50 extra credits to play around with. Yeah. That's pretty significant. That is. Well, we're now getting to the end of phase one of Outlands and starting to look at phase two. And phase two will start with book two. Right. Um, and the stuff... Tell me in, more, John. Right, so, <laughs> so we've always said that Outlands would be three books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first core rule book, which is Outlands, second yeah. edition. yeah. The second rule book, which is in game terms, now adds advanced special skills, abilities, uh, advanced weapon infusion, uh, maybe epic actions as opposed to your heroic actions. And the key thing is the psychic rules. And that's the core rule book, or that's the book two? That would be book two. Yeah. So... For want of a different word, the psychic rules is a magic system. Yeah. Right, which is something we always wanted to do. Mm. Um, and we've been, we play test that quite a bit. And anyone who's seen the, the Outlands Chronicle patch notes, the free content stuff that we put out, yeah. will notice that some of our special characters have now started to show some psychic abilities. Yeah. Amber Templeton, I think one of them was, yeah. could teleport across the board. Oh, and she did. And she did. And <laughs> in the latest patch, we've got the, the Carnage twins, which are two 10-year-old psychopaths. One of them's really good at range attacks. The other one's really good at close combat. Right. And they can swap positions on the board. That's pretty cool. So That's one of them gets cool. into... If, if you, if, I think I'm thinking more like um, heroes. That's what's coming into my head. You know, there, there's... Those characters with those unique abilities. Well, well what you'll As find, in Heroes, the TV series. What you'll find is you'll only be allowed to fill one psychic at a time. And although it's a magic system, you're not going to be able to conjure fireballs and throw them at your opponent. 
Oh. No. They're oh. more of a, a beneficial <laughs> type yeah, a trait. You mean yeah. miniatures, yeah. right? Sorry? You meant five walls out of the miniatures, not your opponent. Well, it depends who it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. I won't beat around the bush. There's lots of people I would like to. <laughs> just, it doesn't even have to be fireball. I can find a good monkey. I can arm one of them. But, and that's, that, that will open that up. And that's the start of phase two. Yeah. Um, and I'm also kind of hoping that we can put a, a six mission campaign at the beginning of that phase two, which will close down phase one. All right, so that six mission will be for two players, and you can start off with a brand new team, and by the end of it, you'll come out, and one of them will be a psychic. Okay, yeah. 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 So doing that opens up a whole new door for us, because when Outlands first started, believe it or not, it was for a fantasy game. All right, yeah. The first ever playthrough was myself and Pimp Dog, and it was High Alps against Dwarves. So what made you change it to this? Um, I, a number of factors. It was people at the club we were playing were more into the sci-fi type of games. So more, sci- more sci-fi models. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that generally is a rule. Yeah, I, I think so too. The fantasy side of it, and I've been working on a set of rules now for a good couple of years, and it's almost ready to go. But I didn't want to put it out without doing the psychic rules for for Outlands. Because hmm. you do fancy rules, you've got to have magic. Yeah. Yeah. You do really. And you, you really didn't want to you <laughs> didn't really I didn't really want to put that out before our community had their own yeah. magic rules for Outlands. Hmm. So so going back to that. These extra credits you can use and you'll start building up by using legends will help you in book two mm. because all all your abilities are now getting upgraded and with those upgrades the costs will go up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite exponential with that, isn't it? So it's add a little yeah. bit, you pay a little bit, and then you get more advanced. I'm just assuming things are going to get. We 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 although we call it a war game. It's a combination of so many different things. You've got your miniatures that you move around, but your progression system where you level up is... feels very role-playing. Role-playing. And you, if you read the rule books, the Outlands rule book, when we explain the rules, it's your model can do this and your model can do that, or it can't do this. But when we come around to your progression, your end phase of your game, we don't use the term model, we use the term character. Yeah. 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 And you build your character. And mm-hmm. I've always found certain games very restrictive on what you could do. So you couldn't have that rogue with a rocket launcher. <laughs> but you can in Outlands. If you really wanted to, you could have Scout someone sneaking around launcher. with a rocket launcher. Yeah. It would take a few games to do it, but you can do it. And that just leaves all your character building. And those who want to sit there and think about the best builds they can get so much more they can do with the game. It's not just playing that drop-in game anymore. You're now building it up. Yeah. When we get to that book two, I I personally think we're now stepping up a level from what we are now is that couple of guys and the true friends who, who help us with this outland things. I think we're now stepping up to a level. We're never, ever going to be Games Workshop. <laughs> we're never, ever going to be Corpus Belly with Infinity. No. But we are definitely... Moving up towards that 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 way forward. 
And any because you've talked about I don't know if you want to talk about them today, but you've talked about um, other game systems more like a matched play where you'll have teams yeah, so as a zombie be- version because Outlands is campaign driven. Yeah, and not everyone, anyone who's ever played in a campaign, will tell you that. Well, organising a gamer to turn up regularly or, or do anything yeah. with any form of planning is it, is tough. It's, <laughs> it's tough to do. So yeah. when you're trying to do that with eight people, yeah. There's always going to be one person that can't make it that week or at the last minute cancels that they yeah. leave someone else. People start falling behind. Mm. If you can keep that momentum up when you start a campaign, and yeah. you can carry it through to the end. And yeah. with Outlands, you can just keep going. Yeah. Um, in the last next patch update, I explain about when is a good time to, to stop a campaign. Yeah. Which is something, because I've been in campaigns and they started off great and then halfway through, it's just died a death. Mm. And you don't want to do that with Outlands because you'll never get past level five. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The standalone games, that we're looking at this two different ways. We can take the Outlands rules, put points on all the costs of everything, and then you can say to your opponent, well, let's make a team up at 2,000 points. And then you're free to pick whatever you like. Yeah. Or we're looking at making it a little bit more of a bigger skirmish game and saying 10 models... But that would mean a, a massive dent to our core rule system as it is, and then rebuild around that yeah. to, to get it. So I think for the moment, we're just going to put out something, a quick, this is how you play the, a one-off game. Yeah, the five, yeah, the five models. Five yeah. models. Uh, the zombie game that you mentioned, Ross, do you want to have some input on this? The zombie game that we all seem to each other over yeah See, it's, not, it's not about killing zombies john it's about how well you can screw up your best mate on the other side of the table yeah pretty much mm. yeah the problem with the zombie gamers is where outlands has been designed for existing gamers yeah. so you've already got five models you've got tape measure and you've got a handful of dice and some scenery. but not everyone has got a bunch of zombies not everyone's got zombies yeah and that's the thing and the, the key thing that i i I want to keep is get the rules and you've got everything else. Yeah, yeah. We and play... that really is true. I mean, you get the rules and you you can just play stuff straight away. Yeah. Anyone who plays 40k or Infinity or War Machine, any of them, you can practically get going. Yeah. We've me and Ross have played games where we've had 80 zombies running around the board. Oh god. <laughs> it's a lot of fun we've had to cut down the rules a little bit to make it to keep the speed in because at some point you're running around with 80 zombies and I'm lucky I'm in a position where I have 80 zombies models yeah not everyone's got that no no and that's that extra investment that people would have to to go to to play that game Mm. um and typically when you look at any type of hobby particularly wargaming in our hobby is your investment is your time and your money. And zombies are a bit of both of that, really, because yeah. there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. You need to paint them up. I can't control yours, the time you put into your hobby, but I, I can have a say, if you're going to get into the Outlands hobby, how much yeah. money that's going to cost you. Yeah. And I won't beat around the bush. We don't do it to make a living. No. no we've both got jobs. This is uh, Any profit we do make goes into the next... Yeah, pre-update or, or stuff like that. That zombie game would 
if you haven't got the zombies, you're going to have to have to get them. So you could possibly use other models, but you have to be a clear indication of what is actually a zombie and what is actually. Yeah, zombies. but they look they look so much better when they it is zombies, better. doesn't it? Thankfully, there is several companies out there. Yeah, I mean, Mantic do a great range of. And relatively of, cheap. Of I think TT did as well. Zombie pack. I'm not entirely things. sure. And the zombies board game. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you've got Zombicide and The Walking Dead, you you've got zombies to start. Project Z is what you're thinking of. Nice. So, but having eighty zombies is quite an investment. Yeah. Of anyone's money, and I don't, I don't want that. No. I don't want people feeling that they have to do that. Have to do it. You know. We could always release it and for the people who do. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at different ways of scaling it down. So maybe you can start off with a, a small infestation of zombies and like 20 zombies. Mm. And just keep recycling. Every time a zombie dies, you just recycle it back into the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it gets out. it's a fun game. Well, initially, it's, it's quite slow-paced, first couple of turns. You know, a few zombies spawn from each point. What could possibly go wrong? And then, like, turn three or four, there's, oh, look, 80 zombies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're on a rooftop and you can't get down. <laughs> Which has happened. Yeah. Well, you've yeah. got your supplies, so... Yeah, yeah good. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's, there's, there's that. Um, that may or may not happen. I've got to be honest, I'm still conflict... I have a bit of a conflict with people investing that money into... Yeah. Which is, to be fair, a game that started off on the back of a beer mat one Friday night. Uh, fantasy rules... That will happen. How that affects the long-term running of that 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 fantasy set, yeah, yeah, it really depends on how people take it on board. Mm. Um, so our free updates now we call the Outland Chronicles are starting to get to twenty pages. Yeah, yeah, and although we we don't charge for it. If we were to continue doing that and then do the same for a fantasy game, you're then talking at 40 pages. Yeah. Yeah. Or per, per chronicle. Per chronicle. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, and we do it on, in our free time. Um, my investment in it, my time into it, doesn't cost anything. No. But it's now getting to the stage where it's taking a bigger chunk of my free time where I could be doing other things, like writing rules about pirates. <laughs> stuff like that not to give a bit of a hint away so that that all these little things I need to take into consideration before I really want to say yeah we'll do this but and it's not just me and Ross we've got Kev Beaches who does a lot of the background writing um, as Clara helps out uh, Nick's going to start helping out Nick Haywood Harwood and they're all putting everyone does it for free yeah on the on the principle that whatever we do make goes straight back into the project the outlands project or the next project and there there is a there's always a problem um with spreading yourself too thin isn't there you can either focus on you know the 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 few games and get them right or spread yourself thinner and thinner 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 yeah games like the zombie game would that would be it that rule set would come out and there would be nothing else to go with it. Yeah. Uh, if the Pirates game comes out, that would be the same. Fantasy is a bit different because you can go in so many directions with fantasy. Um, 
And I really, really want to do the fancy side of things. So, yeah. And that's, that's one where most people who play wargaming could knock together five fantasy models without much trouble, especially if you're a role player. Yeah. Um, or play Age of Sigma or you know, yeah, you Kings can, of War you or whatever. Yeah, you can do. You can take any models you want. That's the joy of the system. You can just use any models you want. And by doing so, because the important thing, you don't care what your model actually looks like. Yeah, you could have five spacemans if you wanted. You could do. Yeah. I mean, myself and you have played a game where you had your ramshackle yeah. mutant things. models against, <laughs> yeah, things against uh, Judge Dredd. Judge, Judge Dredd, yeah. my old Judge Dredd models. Yeah. And you can take that, the core rule set and put it in any setting you want. Yeah. We've had it in, I've seen a game where it was World War Two. Yeah. Germans uh, against uh, Russians. Yeah. yeah. And it was Enemy at the Gates, based around that film Enemy at the Gates. Everyone yeah. had a sniper rifle. And that was good. It breaks down a bit when you start to go to fantasy, because fantasy is more in your face stabbing someone with a sword yeah. than you are shooting someone. Yeah. Well, with sci fi games, it's more range attacks, getting that firepower going, than it is. I don't know, being, there's been the altercation oh, with oh. ladies with chainsaws. Mm. With... Yeah, all right. <laughs> we won't go that way. <laughs> It didn't go very well for me. <laughs> no. And that's just outside of the hobby. <laughs> Ladies with chainsaws. Ladies with chainsaws, yeah. So that's where that's going. So having Outlands Legends, How to Be a Badass, will give you more credits, which means you can get those better abilities or that better piece of equipment. Yeah. Because some of the equipment, even in the core rule book, is quite expensive. Yeah, it yeah. is. And you feel like you could be there... For some time, I mean, I felt that flicking through it. You, you, you're looking at it and you're, you're thinking about campaigns, and you're right, they, they have a tendency to fizzle out. And you want to be getting some of that cool stuff sooner yeah. because that gives you more of a hook and incentive to stay on. Because you're yeah. like, oh, now I've got my X, let's say, massive sniper rifle with fire and acid and goodness knows what. Then... There's always relic weapons as well. Yeah, weapon. that's. That's more of a thank you to our community. And that's one of the things that started to slip now because we're now doing 20-page updates. Yeah. Is our relic weapons are, are always a few days late than what they should be when they come out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's all right. They're a few days, isn't it? Yeah. But it's something that I used to, look, to keep on yeah. top of and make sure it happened. So the relic weapons or the relic items is just for our people on our Facebook page. Mm. So you can perform an action in-game and find relic fragments. Yep. And then every two weeks on our Facebook page, a poster will go up with a certain weapon. And you can, if your gaming buddies say, yes, you can do it, cash your relic fragments in to get that item. Yeah. But that item's only there for two weeks and then it's gone, it's deleted. But once you bought it, you've, you've got, got it. it. And that's one of the things I like about Outlands is that it feels very much like you play it with mates and it's about building that narrative with each other and using the net relic weapons, like you said, if you all agree, because you're creating a story together. And I, I think that that really plays into it very nicely. And I, I quite, I think it's, as a game system, one of the most enjoyable Facebook pages to follow because you're driving that all the time with things like relic weapons. Our Facebook page is our main uh, communication to our community. And 
we don't sit behind a wall. If someone wants to speak to us, they can go to the Facebook page and message myself, Ross, or even Kev. Yeah. Although he'll probably tell you more about the ins and outs of a psychopathic 10-year-old that he's writing about than the actual <laughs> walls. But that's our engagement with them. Yeah. And we wouldn't be in this position now if it wasn't for, for our community. It's only a small community that we've got, but it's I, I don't, it's priceless. Yeah. And it's once you've got them, yeah. Yeah. And that that's... You can't... I don't think if someone came up to me now... I like if someone came up to me a million quid and said I want to buy your community they could have it and, I, and I'd be gone but I say it's priceless because yeah. it's those people who push our game out yeah so we don't have a budget to work to no no we have no budget everything is done free and, mm. we, and we work at it people will notice recently that some of the artwork starting to get a little bit better Mm. And that's because every month we're doing new bits of artwork and we're doing it ourselves. Who does the drawings? Uh, it's a combination of getting a 3D model, scaling it down, running it through an art program and then black lining everything on it. Which is a real pain in the ass. You've got arthritis in your thumbs, but it, it, <laughs> it happens. But people will start to notice that the last cover for for the patch update, it had a car exploding. If you looked at it close enough, you could see it. Mm. And that was all done for a 3D program, but that all had to be set up. And that's something that we're learning as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. I can we, speak for that. You know, yeah. <laughs> These things are often about learning as you it go. Is. Yeah. It is. And sometimes it's really daunting. Oh, but Because yeah. it's yeah. a passion of ours, Outlands, yeah. it makes it fun as well. Yeah, yeah. And I could... I could show Ross a picture. Oh, I want to put this on the new front cover and he'll just shake his head. And it'll be something stupid, like a man in a banana suit shooting, <laughs> shooting a machine gun. And he's just going, no, you can't do it. Well, it's, it's not one of the worst things that could come in front of that. Well, it's, that's, that's one of the better ones, one of the better ideas we've had, isn't it? So, Although we did hear Dave who actually had a miniature of a guy in a banana suit. Excellent. Yeah, it seems to be a theme recently. We've had banana demons, why yeah. not guys in yeah. banana suits? So that that's going back to using any miniatures you want. Mm. One of our one of our oh, the community members, Dave, has got one of his guys is basically dressed in a banana suit, Excellent. and the other guy's got a cape and just his underpants on. Yeah, want to be fireman hero? Yeah. 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 I, I thought had, you were going to bring up the Scooby-Doo Scooby Doo one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do I think that in amazing. a post-apocalyptic setting, you are going to have a high level of um, of interesting characters who somehow have managed to survive. So a guy in a banana suit almost feels like... Well, Thelma from Scooby-Doo with a chainsaw. I, yeah. I, I don't think I saw that episode, but, you know, it was a really good model, though. It was a good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah if, if you troll back on our Facebook page, you'll find it. Uh, a young guy that we met with his dad, wasn't it, over at Plymouth when we was, and they had these models painted, and it was a Scooby-Doo team, mm. but they had machine guns and machetes and chainsaws. They were really good. I nice. think it was Cornish Mikey painted them. Yes. Which is a local, one of the local commission painters to in, in Cornwall. And they've been waiting for a game to come along that they could use them. Oh, they've got it now? They've got it now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, this is going to be available. Outlander's Legends is going to be available. Um, when? Right. So it's the first of June today. 
Is well, it? Probably within the next two weeks. Excellent. Yeah. And once again, you don't have to have this to continue playing. Um, no, 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 no. It's just added extra. Yeah, it's not yeah. an extra. Or you have to have it if you are mad into achievements. You medically need this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or you won't sleep. In pill form. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially <laughs> the one where you have to touch all four zones of a board. Yeah. I need We've got an achievement. I think, I think yeah. you're going to have little badges made for them so people can get them tattooed on their butts. These aren't well, for people. Like, people that interact with This is for me. This whole book is designed Just for him. I mean, I need to do all these achievements. All of them. It was two years ago. What's what about... Gonna, are you going to revive... Oh, God. You're not talking about real life because yeah, no, 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 not no, real life. in the game, not real life. I mean, I'm sure John could help me out by shooting my models off the table, so I'd have to revise. I don't have to. I just think about it, and they just fall off the tables anyway. Apparently, like the kiss of death or anything that's plastic. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the go, and that's you don't have to have this to keep playing, and no. it'll be the same when phase two comes along. You don't need to have book two to keep playing Outlands. We don't we don't operate like that. No. no. But most players will want to have it. At the end of the day, though, your, your, your price has always been incredibly reasonable. So it's not like, you know, book two is going to be horrific. So No, it's... That's the, the whole idea of it. Yeah. We don't have to make a living from it, because we're not. We can sell it at cost. We can sell it, and I won't go into how much markup there is in there, but it, it's... Minimal. Yeah. The good side of that is means we never ever go bust because we've got no overheads because we've all got our jobs. The downside of that is we can't do that 400 page glossy coloured book. I'm also in the mind is do we really need that 400 page gloss coloured book hardback, now? Hardback with hardback. silver edging and a yeah. little limited edition, yeah. maybe a little purity seal on the front. I'm not entirely sure how that works. <laughs> And that's the idea. I mean, this is just 49 pages. There's 100 basic achievements in there. Yeah. And I'm probably looking at a printed book like that about £4. Yeah. Yeah. So very reasonable. It's so a great it, gift for your lover. Yeah. Mm. Very romantic. Christmas. How to be a badass. Mm. How to be a badass. I don't, I'm not sure I want my wife to be any more badass than she is, otherwise I'm in for it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Your wife, right? Yeah. <laughs> Righty. So, um, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Loads of stuff, but I've been told I can't swear. Mm. Mm. It's a good job we can't see what you're wearing at the moment. You call it wearing, I'll call it liberated. <laughs> right, on that bombshell. <laughs> let's move on. Thanks for talking to me, yeah, guys. Yeah, nice one, Ben. And, um, well, we, we love your stuff, so let's keep it going. And um, I'm going to play that, and um, I'll let the guys know on the podcast what I think about it once I've had a go. Well, there you go. You can have a copy of £17. <laughs> Team for the shoot. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So there we go. 45 minutes later, and um, I certainly have a clearer understanding of where Outlands came from, and a much better understanding of how to be a badass. And I'm quite excited about implementing those rules into into the games that we and play. Hopefully, and hopefully, by the um, time people are listening to this, I will also have the same more in-depth understanding of where it came from, because I'll have, uh, I'll have listened to the interview by then. Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, just to wrap things up, we 
we have a presence on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and YouTube. So we love interaction. So come and give us a shout, ask questions. Um, if you want us to talk about something on the next podcast, then, you know, leave us a message asking about it. Um, if you want to tell us if we've got something completely wrong, leave us a message. Tell <laughs> That's going to be a long thread. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're there. We're at the two piece podcast on all three of those. Um, so not, not hard to find really. Um, awesome. Nice to see you, Dan. Or nice to talk to you. Yeah. Nice to talk to you, buddy. Um, probably chat to you within the next couple of days anyway. So. <laughs> I would expect so. Um, yeah, I, you know, once every two weeks, just not enough for awesome. No, we is it? we really ought to record some me? of the other conversations and just put them up. I know we'd have we'd have years worth of material. Yeah, problem is we can never distill it distill it down into a podcast. And by the time we come to the podcast, something else has come along, and we've forgotten about what it is we were talking about. Well, and also I I say far too many inappropriate comments about your wife for a PG rated podcast. So we, <laughs> we can't record that. <laughs> Right, on that bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you for joining us. Have a great couple of hobby weeks.